There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go to the That's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Morning, all. Um, let me just start by apologizing for the... Uh, state of my voice. I've had a tough 24 hours with it. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, we'll see how the morning goes. See if it'll hold up. Uh, I, I mean, I'm doing everything I can. It's, it's just honey and ginger and throat sprays and strepsils and lozenges and all sorts of stuff like that. So I do apologize uh, if I don't sound myself. Um, but it's because I don't feel myself. But listen, we'll drive on and see how it goes and, uh, and do the best we can. Paperwise, this morning, um, we had these unfortunate uh, refugees who are fleeing whatever they're fleeing in their own countries, the likes of Iran, Iraq, Turkey and Vietnam, uh, coming into Ireland in the, in the container on the back of an Arctic which they punched a hole in for uh, air. They were then discovered all 14 of them down in Rosslare Harbour, but the latest update to this now is that eight of them have now gone missing. They've disappeared. It's a front page of making the red tops today where they say hide and seekers. Eight migrants disappeared after being found in the refrigerated lorry. They, they'd they been transferred to Dublin, um, but the guardies say that they're not being sought as they haven't broken any law, which is kind of a bit peculiar. I, I know that they've got their own trials and tribulations and they're looking for a better life, but you would have thought that entering into the country in a container on the back of an Arctic probably is breaking the law. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Guardian know best. But there are numbers announced again this morning with the amount of people who have actually landed at Irish airports without documentation, without passports, without paperwork. Um, they probably boarded the planes uh, with them, but got off the planes without them. And the figure for last year was 3,285 landed here without papers. It's a staggering figure, isn't it? 3,285. Mind you, it is down on last year when it was closer to 5,000 last year without landed without papers. But I suppose if you look 2022 and 23 together, uh, you are looking at uh, just over 8,000 people landed at Irish airports without documentation. Uh, Leo Varadkar says that no Ukrainians, no, you can see that it's very much about refugees and uh, migration into Ireland making the papers today. But he says that no Ukrainians will be sent home before the war ends. And who knows when that actually will be, because it drags on and on. But he says no one will be sent home until it's over. It's a front page making the independent today. And then there is an Irish lawyer who is actually representing South Africa, who's taken Israel uh, to court, uh, to the International Court of Justice. Um, and the accusation that uh, South Africa lays at the feet of Israel is that they're engaging in genocide. Now, the barrister is actually Irish, the top Irish barrister, accusing Israel of genocide uh, and saying that huge swathes of Gaza are being wiped from the map. It is the tiniest, tiniest uh, amount of land, Gaza, and you have millions of people in this tiny amount of land. And within that tiny amount of land, then, they're all down in the south of it. So it really is crammed. It doesn't even begin to explain how bad it is. But she's saying in The Hague, the barrister, the Irish barrister, um, her name is um, uh, Blinny Nigrelig. She says that they're, and these are my words, not hers. She says that Israel are engaging in um, other forms of and weapons of war. And the weapons of war aren't always rockets and bombs. In other cases, chemical warfare. But in this case, food, water and medicine are also being used by the Israelis as weapons of, of war. Now, a lot of the time, Israel ignores these different types of courts. But this time, no, they have sent legal representation to it. 
Uh, on Lee side then there are many stories good news for the site of the old sextant I think it's a, a wise move by um, John Cleary uh, JCD group they were going to build a big huge apartment block there but now they've for I suppose all the right reasons have decided now they're going to flip to apartments um, and that's what's going to happen there it's a front page we're making the echo today on the sextant site there just on Albert Key, would be 200 city apartments instead. And you know what? I think we probably need more apartments. Uh, we need more of them in the city. I know we spoke a lot about about people living over the shop. Uh, living over the shops would potentially also give people a lot of places to live on Leeside. So there's a, a kind of a computerized image of what that apartment block would look on Sexton, uh, on, at the Sexton site in Albert Key this morning. But the, the, the story then nationally is that really we need to call a halt now to building hotels. We need to call a halt now to building office blocks and we need all builders to be directed or maybe even forced even uh, to build apartments and indeed to build houses uh, because that's what we need to prioritise in the coming years and that's a front pager making the mail today. Irish Water will be grilled or Ishke Aaron as they're now known will be grilled by Cork City Council. Good luck with that because they'll come up with all sorts of reasons why the water on Leeside is brown and has been for many, 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 many months. Uh, I hope to speak with the mother a little later on this morning whose child got sick because she bathed the child in the awful, dirty, filthy probably, you know, very bad for your health. I think the, the child got a skin rash. But it makes the papers again today because the examiner says that we have 600 kilometres uh, of water mains in Cork City uh, and over 60% of them are cast iron and they're at least 100 years old. So they're way past their best before date and that's for sure. The story out of Charleville is an online story where there were some arrests and men appeared in court yesterday when slash hooks and golf clubs and petrol bombs, or suspected petrol bombs were discovered up in, uh, in Charleville. And that paper, is, that story makes the online editions of the Echo. But do you see that story of this electrician, right? Um, uh, he was pulled over by the Gardaí. He was on his way to get nappies. Yeah, one of the reasons he was pulled over was because his, they took an interest in him because his car wasn't taxed. He was subsequently caught with 1.7 million euro worth of cocaine in the car. And you could say that it started, it was a bit like um, the ship was lost for a hapworth of tar, I suppose. Um, but ultimately then, because he didn't have tax, I suppose you could trace it to the fact that he was ultimately searched. They found 1.7 million euro worth uh, of cocaine. And then there is a, an allegation against a, a jail counsellor, um, somebody who deals with addiction counselling in jails and has been charged with alleged possession of 2,000 euro worth of drugs for supply and intent. Um, and they then searched the house and they found cocaine and cannabis and pills uh, worth over seven and a half grand in the house and the car. Um, the, the workplace has very much changed now in many different ways, of course. Minimum wage continues to go up. It's got to be a good thing. But for employers who have to pay the extra wages, of course, not necessarily a good thing because, you know, maybe it affects their bottom line and uh, maybe they're already, um, you know, treading water, as the fellow says. But now workers are going to be entitled to more extensive pay for sick leave under the new sick leave scheme. And the government announced it, of course, and it sounds very good and it's laudable and everything. However, it's not the government that pay the first three days or the first four days or the first five days or in 2026, it'll be the first 10 days. You know who pays for that? The employers themselves. So this year, the first three days uh, of sick pay, 
If you're out on sick leave, it will be paid by the employer. Next year, it'll be five days. 2025, it'll be the first seven working days. And by 2026, it'll be the first 10 days covered. So really, employers and particularly small businesses are really getting in the neck from left, right and centre um, because it seems as if you would be entitled to 70% of your normal pay uh, up to a maximum of €110 a day that employers would have to pay. But you have to ask the question... Why are employers paying it at all if they are paying a PRSI contribution from the employee and the employee is paying a PRSI contribution and the employee is paying POIE? Why isn't it paid out from day one by the state in the form of getting some of your money back? Now, um, where is the update for this? Uh, do you see the story that's been doing the rounds online and also the newspapers? I have it in the sun this morning. Further by the name of Sean Byrne. He went on a bender um, and he uh, apparently, it was alleged, drank 81 pints of Guinness in three days. Didn't get sick or anything, had no hangover, and everything was fine and dandy. And, of course, that story makes the newspapers, and it was also online. Uh, he was up the country, up in Kilkenny. He went on a binge, and it went viral. Many people called it absolute stupidity at its finest. So this is what he did, and at the end of the bender, 81 pints later, he just went to bed. We contacted him yesterday, Sean Byrne, Brian, and asked him, would he come on air to chat about it? He said no. And to be absolutely honest with you, it was just a P-I-S-S take, as in a wind-up. And it was a bet with his friends to show how easy it would be to get onto the newspapers these days and why the world is the way it is. So it was a bet that he probably won with his friends to show how easy it would be to get on the front page of the newspapers with a made-up story. So Sean Byrne is telling us that the story about him drinking 81 pints of Guinness in three days is fake, just to prove that he could get on the front of the newspapers. There's a lot of fashion stories making the papers these days. And I know I mentioned one or two yesterday. Boohoo are back under the spotlight, lads, and have been in the past. And again, back in the news in the UK Times this morning, if you buy fashion from the retailer Boohoo, uh, they apparently took labels called Made in Pakistan when they came into England. They took the Made in Pakistan labels off them and they put on Made in the UK I have no idea how Boohoo will be able to excuse their way out of that one. But there you have it on the edge. We were talking to the young scientist yesterday. Um, and uh, I see there's some other wonderful Cork stories regarding the young scientist exhibition on in Dublin. This morning I have for you a great story from Maria Immaculata Community College in Dunmanway. And uh, they did a fabulous study actually at St. Mary's Secondary School in McCroom also. They investigated at the McCroom Bypass, the N22. And it's fantastic with regards to the results for the businesses and the people of McCroom. So the girls, Eilie and, uh, sorry, Ellie and Tara and Leah from the St. Mary's Secondary School in McCroom said that 71% of businesses had said there'd been a significant increase in customers and a significant increase in revenue since the whole bypass opened. Now people are shopping in McCroom more rather than just going to either Cork or Killarney. Their study found that 84% of people said that there's less traffic, shorter journey times, 
less noise and a 53% decrease in air pollution. That's great research and great also for the people of Macroom. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. And you can pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. I got an email in from Shannon and thank you, Shannon, for agreeing to come on the air. Can I give also a listener warning on this? You might find the parts of this conversation upsetting. Shannon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. You said you felt compelled to get in touch following what you witnessed. Was it yesterday? No, it was actually on Tuesday. Tuesday. But um, I have tried to contact other people and have had no reply from anybody. You did some work on it in the last couple of days. But um, tell us what you saw and where. So it was up in Okmahini. It is up by um, the entrance to St. Anthony's Park. I think that's... Yeah. People are well aware of yeah. Um, yeah. up yeah. there. Um, and there was um, a dog, kind of um, a greyhound lurcher type dog, eating the um, dead carcass of a horse in the field. Isn't that awful? Even just hearing the words. It's just awful. It's horrific, Neil. And it's just getting from, going from bad to worse, to be quite honest. The condition of the animals up here is horrendous. It's actually, I get really upset now because it's heartbreaking to watch. Um, yeah, I'm heartbroken over it. And um, There's dogs walking around up here covered in scabs, mange. They're eating out of bins up here. Um, it, it's just terrible and I just can't understand. I have two dogs myself. I am an animal lover, so I, it, it gets me a little bit more, I suppose. But the thing that just bewilders me is that I've got to have my dogs on leave. I have to have licences for them. I can leave them run around. Um, and if I did, I can be sure that the guards would come to my door or there would be a dog warden at my door. Okay. And I don't understand why there's nobody going into these places to... to um, but how do we know How do we know that they're, they're uh, you know, that they belong to the residents in St. Anthony's Park? Do we know that? Well, I see them going in and out of oh. there. You know, I walk there most days with my own dogs. Um, they're over at the entrance to that area and the horses are inside in their um, I suppose the fields alongside them so I'm presuming that they do own them you know it's well known that they are their their animals on the 14th of December Neil there was a a horse actually jumped the wall and ran out in front of my car and a truck coming towards it and I have a picture of that and I can actually send it to you you must have got an awful fright did you? Oh, yeah, it was horrendous. But more so that if that truck had hit that car, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, that, that, anything that could potentially happened. happened, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, for people that don't know, St. Anthony's Park was built for the count by the council to house um, travellers who wish to settle in housing, and, and they have done so, and it's been there for, uh, for many, many years. Uh, unfortunately, not without criticism from time to time, unfortunately. Uh, the guardies sometimes have to go in and, you know, rapid response and customs have to go in. And then uh, over the past, um, I also got an email recently saying uh, that just at the halting site, it's across from Apple. It's not a halting site, really. It's a housing estate. Uh, that the level of cruelty has just gone off the charts recently. Wasn't there a dead German shepherd puppy yeah. no yeah. more than two yeah, months ago? What can you tell me about that? Um, I didn't see it, but I have heard people um, tell the story of um, there was a German Shepherd puppy discarded outside the halting site or the whatever you want to call it, um, settled area. Um, discarded as if maybe something had happened to the dog in there or the puppy. Yeah, you know, the, the email that I got said there was a dead German Shepherd puppy no more than two months old with dried blood around the throat area. 
and then there was dead and then there was a second small dog with awful bites all over the entire body gnawing at the carcass of another dead animal um, you can see the hoof and the spine next to the dead puppy it's disgusting and this this actually is a story from a few months ago so it's not the first time the dogs have been eating carcasses you know um, but Neil if you saw the condition of them honest to God they are starving, starving. now I know that there's businesses up here that are going out of their way people obviously just general workers um, to feed some of these dogs when they do come over you know but um, that's not that's not the way it should be like um, something needs to be done people like the, the, the government bodies need to come in here and take these animals um, on a regular basis checks need to be made you know because if they do I know they did something a couple of maybe two or three years ago where they took some animals off them but there's nobody been up since why are they not going in there to take these animals off them or doing a check every couple of months or once a year you know well there um, are lots that so could including the CSPCA the ISPCA the Department of Agriculture Cork City Council um, any any one of the fire on one, any one of the fire departments could do it uh, the, the dog wardens could do it um, or any any animal charity. So there's lots of options. I text, um, I know I know that the animal charities are absolutely amazing um, and they do phenomenal work, but I know that they're overrun at the moment. They can't even, they don't even have room for another dog to take in, you know. Um, I do do a bit of volunteering work myself with them and um, they do amazing work, but they're overrun. Um, I also text um, and send emails to the CSPCA during the week and I've had no response whatsoever from anybody. Other than yourself. Yeah. Oh, but listen, I'm blue in the face talking on this topic from time to time. It's a few months since I did it last. But why, firstly, why are horses dying? Is it neglect? Yeah. Is it yeah. starvation? Is it, it, yeah, no, I know that, I know the dogs, but like the dog, the dogs are eating the carcass of a dead horse. Yeah. Why is the horse die? Why did the horse die? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the disease as well, that's going to encourage you to that, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I also recently got some emails from members of staff at Apple who were plagued and blue in the face of going to work and having to work across from sites like that. But are, are people are people still riding around on the backs of ponies and the sulkies going up and oh, down? Absolutely, that that's that's an ongoing situation. I mean, that, that that that's nearly taken for granted now. You know that know. you're going to see that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But as you say, with those businesses, Neil, what must they think? You know what I mean? If they have people coming into the to the the city or the country and bringing them up to these places and seeing that kind of um, behaviour going on, do you know what I mean? I don't know where it will end. I really don't. I mean, you know, uh, what is it with the, the lurchers? Don't have any uh, any collars on them, no. No, no, nothing okay, like so that. They're, they're I've seen rope wrapped around some of their um, necks, um, as if they had been. So they're as good. As, they're as good as strays, almost, if you like. But do you think that they're clearly not? They're not fed or looked after. Oh, they're all. I, I'll, I can send you photographs. But I'll send them in again after of dogs that I have, I am seen in the area and that I've taken photographs of that are destroyed and maimed, um, covered in scabs, um, totally malnourished. Um, eating out of bins, right? Dragging bins apart to try and get some food. Um, like, surely, look, there must be somebody that can come up with some plan to go in there. And How long is the horse dead? How long is the horse dead in the area, you know, St. Anthony's Park? I don't know. I, I just saw it on Tuesday. So it could be gone. I don't know. It's it could off. be still there. I haven't haven't seen it. I haven't passed there since because I was horrified. Um 
but that was Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, no, people really, they should just clean their act up, really, get their act together and have respect for other people who have to live in the neighbourhood and put up with that. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's and cruelty if, off the If charts. they can't take care of them, why are they, 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 they taking more animals constantly um, into those areas? Do you know what I mean? Okay. And again, where are the governing bodies? Let me see if I can um, get any updates. Maybe if, yeah, I know, I know. And we will again. We'll, we'll rattle, we'll rattle. We'll rattle this story and see if we can get anybody to come. I mean, it, it's only a short time fix, to be quite honest with you, because we'll be talking about these kind of things again in the coming weeks or months, I can tell you. Yeah, I've no doubt. I've no doubt. I see a lengthy text coming in here from some staff members at Apple. I see other texts as well, so I'll read those out. But um, hang in there, Shannon. Thank you for coming on the air. I do appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank text you. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. As I say, an Apple employee says, thanks for highlighting what's going on regularly in St. Anthony's Park. Uh, I'll pick up on that in text after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Text 0868104106. Thank you for highlighting St. Anthony's Park as an, Apple, as an Apple employee. I see this on a daily basis, the horrific cruelty that takes place in and around the park. We have seen the carcass of dead animals outside the park on numerous occasions and skeletal dogs coming on the Apple site, ravaging the bins, their bodies ravaged with mange. Why isn't anything being done? These individuals in St. Anthony's know that they are untouchable, untouchable, you see. The council, the CSPCA, are cowards, and they are too afraid to take a stand for these poor, defenceless animals. I have two dogs myself. I was two days late paying for my dog license, and there was a CSPCA van outside my house with warning letters. Also, where does our dog license money actually go? Surely it's to an animal shelter, perhaps in Mahan? It's an absolute disgrace that the council sit back and do absolutely nothing. There's blood on their hands by letting the horrific cruelty carry on time and time again. Shame on you, Cork City Council. You know, perhaps there's some truth in that, in the sense that they absolutely do nothing. Perhaps they're just uh, afraid to do anything, because in the world we live in now, you have to be very, very careful uh, with regards to uh, members of society, like, say, for instance, the settled traveller community. Uh, But they also have a responsibility to themselves, and unfortunately... I have to say, uh, some of them uh, are found wanting, and certainly up around there. Uh, I'm not going to go into the historic issues within the park that have um, uh, led to issues in the past. I'm going to stay with this particular topic for a little while longer. I did promise that we'd see if, you know, talking about it again would make any difference, although I I really don't think so. But Vincent Cashman is the manager with the CSPCA uh, down in uh, Mahan. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, yes. Uh, How would you respond to that, actually, um, being described as the council and the CSPCA as cowards and too afraid to take a stand uh, for these poor defenceless animals? Okay. Um, I would refuse it completely. The problem with parks of this nature, okay, and it's not happening in every park, but parks, particularly the likes of St. Anthony's, unfortunately, where you have, we have over the years, and I can remember one conversation I had with you trying to remove a dead animal. A number of years, a good number of years ago, we'd organised, it was a Friday afternoon, we'd organised a, a truck to come along and collect a carcass, it was right in the footpath, collect a carcass, the driver arrived up to remove the horse, he was threatened, his yeah. life was threatened, yeah. he left us. Yeah. We'd organised then a, a Garda escort for the truck for Tuesday morning. Joe Public doesn't actually understand, I think, some of the pressures and some of the, 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 the stuff that we have to deal with on a daily basis. 
their colleagues in other organisations and part of their PPs, anti-stabfests. These are people working in animal welfare. Anti-stabfests. And anti-stabfests when they're going into a site because they're dangerous. They don't know what they're expecting inside. Well, well, what do you mean when you say site? What does that mean, site? Site. It could be going into a house. It could be going in anywhere. Going into a, bi- a building, a premises, or a site. They don't know what they're going to be dealing with when they go inside the door, the gate. So they have to wear an anti-stab vest as part of their PPE. This is all people now working in animal welfare. We are getting numerous calls about St. Anthony's. We're getting numerous calls... Um, we, we have dogs in here on a, on a very regular basis from the north side of the city. More than likely dogs that have been dumped above in St. Anthony's. Right? We take them in here, we patch them up and we rehome them. But to, to do a proper job up there, you're going to have to, the people who are living up there, have to take responsibility for their animals. Well, it's clearly evident that they won't because they will they have done by now. Okay. Okay. But they're tenants of... How do you prevent them from keeping animals? Um, I suppose you just get tougher on them, really, as opposed to um, being a standoffish, say, for instance, as people have been heretofore. I mean, they are tenants of Cork City Council, um, and on that basis, they could be threatened with eviction, you know? That would be a start. They could. They could. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I, was, if I was keeping... A, if I had the carcass of a dead horse in my front garden... Uh, and the dogs of the of the neighbourhood of Douglas were eating it. Um, it wouldn't be long before Douglas Gardie would call up and, uh, um, uh, at the, at the very least, um, you know, have very strong words with me. And if I gave them any grief, they would arrest me. And that way, it fought, that's the way it would. Well, you see, it, out, it, it? this this is down to prove where the horse is. These horses are on no man's land. They're out on public ground, and if you ask any questions up there, um, you're told nothing. Oh, they're not our dogs and they're not our horses. They're not our dogs and not our horses. They're not microchipped. They're not this. So trying to prove something. We were up in a place in the city. I'm not going to mention the name. And while we were actually trying to help a donkey that was belonged to this individual, other individuals tried to break into our van. Right? You know, it is it is very it's very, very easy, Neil. Very, very easy for people to come along. This should be a very, very simple thing. And it should be. I don't get me wrong. The the pu- public are dead right. This should be a very simple thing. If you're dealing with a dead animal on the ground, your animals should be looked after properly. They should be looked after properly. There shouldn't be any question. And you So the CSBCA have to go into some particular circumstances. The staff have to wear stab vests and have to have the backup of the guardie. Oh, we have to have the backup. Um, no, we haven't had have to wear anti-stab vests yet, but it's on the cards. As I told you, even with body cameras, the job of inspectors and dog wardens has changed radically over the last 10 years. We have gone into places, Neil, with the armed response unit. Because you have to. Uh, for what? Cruelty issues, is it? Cruelty issues, and we know what we're going to be dealing with when we get inside the gate. Yeah, yeah. So, no matter what, yeah, so if nobody owns them, or they say they're not our horses, they're not our dogs, they're not our ponies, why aren't they just all taken away? Um, you're right, they could be taken away. But is that when the threats would start? The threats would start then. They, Neil, you, you know this, you're, you're dealing with calls like this for longer than, than you could remember, yeah, right? Yeah. No, I mean, this is one of the most talked about housing estates in Cork, constantly, for all sorts of right. different reasons. We, we, if, if, if we were to go up there now, 
and we'll say, right, there is however many X amount of dogs here, and nobody's claiming ownership, and we cleared out, we'll just say 30 dogs. This time next week, those 30 dogs will be replaced. Yeah, why? Why do? What do they want with thirty dogs, though? I mean, what's the what's the purpose? There's, so, there's that? some people think that they can still make money out of them. Lurchers, lurchers, yeah. They they would breed uh, the, the most popular dog at the moment, most popular dog in our kennels, um, and shelters all over the country is the lurcher. So why do they? Why would they have so many? They think that someone's going to buy them from them, is it? They would. They, yes, they would breed so many just to see if any of them are good for, for hunting. Um for hunting and if they're not then they're dumped okay um, and, and and the ones then that aren't any are they the ones that are being not fed because they clearly are starved oh yeah they'd be dumped out and this is so not the, just the, the, the dogs are eating out of the bins of the north side and they're also eating the carcasses of dead horses they're clearly not being looked after are they if they have mange okay, obviously you know that's, that's absolutely not no but you see, the problem is then, as I said, every shelter is heaving with dogs. So even if you were to take in Turkey, where do they go? <clears throat> so you couldn't, you're saying that you should be able to take an animal that not, isn't licensed or isn't shipped? Isn't, isn't, if, the, if, the, if the animal isn't being looked after properly, what you do is you try okay. to speak to the person first. Yeah, I know. And you say, right, we, we don't know the circumstances inside the house. There might be somebody ill, somebody might be, there might be a, lo- a load of issues. You try to help them first. If they don't help you, try and maybe get the animals surrendered over to you. But the problem is taking all these animals, where do they go? And this is the same question we've been asking for years upon years upon years. People seem to think the shelters have X amount of space. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you should be able to go in where there is no um, license and they're not chipped or no collar and take them. But it's unsafe for you to do it. What we do is, if you if it, it, we give them, you can give them what we call a sixteen one. You can give them a notice, right? Now, we if we call to someone's house like that last email there about a license, all we're doing is a reminder. So the sheets come out, and it's a reminder. It's not a warning. It's not a threat. But why do you back off then when um, you get some sort of uh, hostility? Um, because you, we don't. you, you how do we back people, off? Well, well, call the guards. Well, that's what we do. If we're dealt with any hostility like that, we, the, the public, we, there, there are other inspectors up the country have had their houses burgled, have had damage done to property. You, you, they have no idea what the, the, the staff on the ground are actually dealing with. Because we have this notion that if you're involved in animal welfare, that anybody that you're dealing with is going to listen to what you're going to say is going to heed what you're going to say and is going to be cooperative. But from April of 2022, I have an email. The dogs from St. Anthony's Park roam the Apple campus in search of food. They're in a clear state of neglect. We've witnessed sulkies overturning on the bends at speed, injuring yeah. horses, being forced to continue when they're visibly hurt, distressed, and in some cases, dying. That's from April of last year now, Vincent. Yes, that's going on for years, Neil. You know that. That's going on for years. There was another horse, again, collapsed, horses collapsing while they're being raced on the road or while they're being exercised on the road. So is that and probably what happened to the one that's now being eaten by dogs? That it Maybe not. There have been a couple. This is, there's, there's, there's been several horses die up there over the last two months. And cause of death was what? No idea. Starvation, neglect, It could It could abuse. be a mixture of stuff like that. It's not, it, normally if they're on the road, um, normally if they're on the road you have to organise a truck then to go up and remove the animal but no one stays with the horse 
the biggest thing is get the gear off the horse straight away all the harnesses um, anything like that get it off and they just leave the carcass people have had enough of it they're frustrated they want a line drawn under it they want to be we are everyone that's involved in welfare is exactly the same Okay. Okay. Everyone is exactly the same. We're all singing off this exactly the same hymn sheet and this. We would love for this to stop. But what are people? What are the guards afraid of? What city council afraid of? As landlords, is it afraid that they be that they be called out? That they're being racist? That they're being in exactly. some way? Yeah. Look, we're living. Anti-traveller or what? No. It's not about it's, that. It, but it's it's not even that. We. I I give you an example. We were asked to go into um, a site. Okay. And it's a traveller site. And one of our guys went into the site and the gentleman that they were dealing with came out and all the paperwork for the dog, the microchip sorts, every dog was licensed. And every dog on that site was spotless. Good. Spotless. No issues whatsoever could be found with them. And everybody was happy. Yeah, but that's not the case. That's not the case. That's not the case in this circumstance, year in, year out, over and over again. But then, why is it that some sites can do it right and others can't? Because there has to be a will there. Because they feel as if the law or the laws of the land are not applicable to them, perhaps. Yeah. The laws of the land for animal ownership are applicable to every single individual. Okay. There is no special exemption there. Whatever religion, colour, creed, nationality, no matter what it is, the the we have the best of of even 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 the, the microchipping. Um, we, we were at a thing there no not too long ago, four or five months ago, and they were talking about how how, how successful microchipping was. We've gone to places where as soon as a dog is microchipped, it's dumped because there's traceability there. You have to have traceability with animals. No, no, I, I know, but I don't think yeah. that some of those involved in all of this carry on give a damn about microchipping or licensing, or they don't give a damn about law and order. But you have the Gardaí, Cork City Council, the ISPCA, the CSPCA, the Department of Agriculture, all of them. Uh, there's a lot of powerful organisations involved there, but then, but these people just seem to be able to run rack and ruin and do their own thing. Like it's like the Wild West, Neil. The youths are left to their own devices with no repercussions. The kids are just r- completely wild. Apparently, some of them. There are incidents of small foals and little Shetland ponies, ponies being ridden by two children at a time, always being excessively whipped. Um, I've been sent photographs as well from the Carberry Park River, Harbourview Road area, uh, where a cat was attacked by three youths who visibly were whipping a Shetland pony attached to a sulky at the same time. Uh, same group then went on to set their lurches on a local elderly woman's cat. They've also done it to local dogs and cats in the area and in many occasions those dogs and cats have been killed. Apparently the Boys and Girls Anaka's Facebook page is plagued with comments about this carry-on for a long, long time. And it, it, and it has been going on and when we deal with people here we ask for, if they can give us an address, they will tell us that a cat was attacked in such and such a park. Oh, do you know the guys? Yes, we do. Do you know where they live? No, I'm not giving you that information. Okay, it's frustrating. There, there is, there is, it, it is frustrating. Okay. And you have a lot of people out there that are afraid to give you the information. The question has to be asked. Why are they afraid to give the information? Um, they're afraid and of repercussions, why, Vincent. That's why. I understand that. But why is there repercussions? They shouldn't because be. Because the repercussions are from people who have no respect for law and order or respect of other people. That's why. 
Let me talk to let me talk to Laura. But thank you, Vincent, as always. I know you're very frustrated. It is a frustrating situation you're in. Uh, Vincent Cashman, manager of the CSPC. Laura, good morning. Hi, Neil. Thank How you for you? here. Thank you for holding. You heard Shannon's story. Go ahead. I did. I did. Um, I actually work near St. Anthony's Park. I have done for many years. Um, and many days, I actually, I there's kind of a loop walk that passes uh, St. Anthony's Park that I often go on um, lunchtime just to get some fresh air. Now, I, re- I recall coming across um, the German Shepherd puppy a few months ago. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm a dog lover myself. So I was traumatized. Um, there was other animals around the puppy, and like that, there was there was a carcass of a horse near nearby. The puppy was actually on the footpath. Um, there was other small dogs that came out, and I happened to have dog food with me because I sometimes carry it's a dog food with me on that little loop in case some dogs came out, starving dogs, so I might be able to throw a little bit of kibble to. Um, so I, I went past that. I, I went back actually to work crying. I had to spend time in the bathroom. Um, again, we, we ring people, we ring authorities. I, I think, you know, not to take anything away from the CSPCA and, and all the animal charities that are on their knees. Um, but even the guards, Neil, one, one time I actually went up on a Saturday to just help them feed a starving dog that was kind of roaming around and again I left very upset I drove down the road I think I was maybe about 10, 10 kilometres over the 50 limit um, and a guard, the guard came up behind me pulled me over I got an 80 euro fine and three penalty points because I was just so adult I, I just you know I, I missed the, the speed limit. I know, um, happens, yeah. And you know, I'm just, just with St. Anthony's Park and not to paint everyone the same. same do they ever pull over, do they ever pull over the the two young fellas up in the back of a no. sulky being pulled by a small pony? No, no, Neil. And I mean, there No fines there, no penalty points applied there, I suppose. No, there's many calls put in. There's I've never seen a Garda presence in there while I've been in the area for over 10 years. Um, there's a lot of people, like, even if you're not an animal lover or a dog lover, hearing the, the, the howling, howling sounds, and I'm sorry now, I'm getting upset, the howling sounds of the dogs that we can't see. There's ones we can't see, they're locked in and they're starved, kept for hunting so that they'll hunt a, a fox, a badger, a rabbit. They're kept starved. Is that right? They're kept they're hungry so they hunt better, is it? Well, well, that is that is the standard for many people that that in you know these areas to have multiple dogs like this. Their, their main use, I believe, to be true, is for hunting. They're kept hungry so that they will hunt faster and better. And then, like that, if they're no more good for hunting, God knows what happens. And they're left. Not to mind the horses. The horses. I mean, these are big animals. Um, and it takes a lot, like I have seen driving down uh, many, again over 10 years. It's not just an incident of one horse here and there, but this is what we see. There's a lot going on that we're not seeing and that's what is the killer blow. I would implore anyone listening to this, any authorities, please, please, we beg you. They are break. There is laws being broken left, right and centre outside of animal welfare. It's disease, it's health and safety concern, it's the council 
like we are all doing our best trying to make a living paying our taxes we get um, penalised for for things and we're law abiding citizens and that's exactly what happened to you yeah, why are we watching why are we watching something where the lawless and then it never stops? All we need is someone to come in. Like if it, if no one does nothing, where does it end? And these poor animals, they have no voice, so someone else has to be. And tell me this before but, I let you go: there was one particular dog actually that um, uh, did you bring to the vet, but the dog died of, of kidney failure. Was it? Oh yes, yes. What so. Was that story? Um, Again, on a walk, um, I looked across the way. I saw, like, it looked just something white and still. I actually thought it was, like, a white plastic bag. Um, and I was actually walking uh, with two friends. And we went over, and as we got closer, there was a white lurcher um, laying on the ground still. And we're like, this dog is dead. But then we could see its stomach was actually still moving. So one of my friends actually picked up the dog, got it into her car really rapidly, brought it straight down to the vet. Um, they had to do emergency surgery on it. They found, I think, about three fish hooks in its throat. Um, we thought the dog was going to, to survive at the time, but over the course of the two or three days, um, it did die of kidney failure. Um, what do you think? F- fish hooks lodged in its throat? Lodged in its throat, yeah. How in the name of God could that happen? I, 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 we, we contemplated how, in God's name, I, I, I can't even go there, Neil, on where that, how they, they got there, um, and again, there, there is pictures of, of that because um, the vets and there was an uh, animal rescue who has, and they were great with it. Um, and, Awful you know, to have to witness that. Uh, we're, all, we're all animal lovers, to be quite honest with you, aren't we? We really and truly are, yeah. and we hate to see we're neglect outside, or cruelty. Outside of that, Neil, even if you're not, you know, even if you have kids, if you have any family members, disease, like having like a dead puppy just rotting there, having horses rotting there, disease will spread. Okay. Because if the dog yeah. is eating the horse, the dogs yeah. are roaming around, they're going into being... It's a matter of time before this becomes an even bigger public health issue. Okay. It really is. Okay. Thanks, um, Laura. Thank you so much. I'll pick it up after 10. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Guides do go in uh, and they really do roll, roll their sleeves up from time to time. I remember I was reading about it this morning when 60 guards raided uh, that uh, traveller um, housing estate uh, back in, was it 2017? Uh, there was a feud, alleged feud going on between two families and it turned very violent. When they got bow and arrows and slash hooks and golf clubs and all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, like there was uh, a big raid went in following a, a video on YouTube uh, in which there was at least two dozen masked travellers armed with machetes and batons and guns threatening another family. A, these kind of call-outs on, on social media are a very regular thing, aren't they? We see them even up to up to recently feuding uh, families from the, the travelling community. Uh, but it's very sad, though. You see dogs now at the moment uh, eating the carcass uh, of a dead pony uh, in and around that area of Holly Hill. Back after 10, text 0868 104 106. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106.
The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. And if you came late this morning again, my apologies for the state of my voice. I'm doing the best I can, and I hope the people don't find it annoying. It's just uh, that time of the year, isn't it, with all sorts of airborne viruses and what have you. I'll come back to a lot of those texts and emails and calls, I promise, with regards to the issues of animal cruelty. But you may recall earlier in the week, I spoke on air with uh, Ivan Yates. Uh, we had a great chat, actually, about all sorts of different things going on in our country. He's got a new pad- podcast out. It's called Path to Power. Um, he does it and will do it and continue to do it with uh, with Matt Cooper, who's his sparring partner. I was looking forward also to catching up with uh, with Matt Cooper. And he joins me by phone on this Friday morning. So, Matt, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you keeping? I'm well? very... You're not keeping well. <laughs> too well. That, it's that time of the year. I'm gargling. I'm just, I'm just doing the salt and water trick now. Hopefully that might work. So my apologies for that. You sound in great no voice, though, in fairness to you. Well done. <laughs> I, thank you. It's good. But I know what it's like to work through sort of having worked through COVID at various times on air and sort of struggling into the microphone. But anyway, there you go. Yeah, it, it's, it's, um, did you actually, did you broadcast from home then for a period because of that or what? Yeah, for about a year because of COVID, I actually broadcast the last word in Say FM from my house. And uh, every time, there's been a couple of times when I've fallen sick over the last couple of years. And when I've been able to keep going, I just have a set up from here at home. You'd like meeting people face to face in studio. I'm sure you do as well with guests. But there are times when you just have to make do, do everything over the phone. Very difficult with a talk show, though. It is a bit difficult, but you know, it's hard to get people to come into studio all the time. Like, I'm talking to you on the phone now because I'm unable to get down to Cork to talk to you in person. But you know what? That's that's a great intro for me, right? Because you grew up on the Lee Road. You went to St. Joseph's National School. You're a mon boy. You did the whole UCC gig and then you headed off to Dublin. Um, you're the author of five different books. I was reading an article by Ivan during the week, actually, where he said that you guys would often do The Tonight Show, finish up at maybe quarter to midnight, and then you'd go home and crank out a newspaper column. I mean, you're as busy now as you ever were, are you? I'm probably. Well, actually, not as busy since the two of us finished the TV show together. I think that wore us out a little bit. Both of us would sort of admit because... I was doing my radio show on CFM. He was doing his one on News Talk on at the same time. We finished that at 7 o'clock, go off and get a bite to eat, and then we would meet up out in the TV studio later on that evening and do the programme. First of all, it was 11 o'clock. Then it was brought back to 10 o'clock, which was a bit better. Yeah. But you, you'd, be, you'd be completely wired by the time you were finished. The adrenaline was pumping, having done the television show, and you couldn't fall asleep for hours afterwards. And I think it actually did have an impact um negative impact health-wise on me. Yeah. So when the two of us finished up, you know, we did four years of it. That was great. It was very enjoyable. Loved the time doing it. But needed to pull it back a little bit. But at the same time, I always like having things to do. Or maybe I'm a, maybe I'll have to admit to being a bit of a workaholic, but I do like having things to do. I like to be able to manage them in my own time. And actually, mentioning COVID, I had it last June, and I developed pneumonia out oh, of it. God. And maybe I was a bit, maybe I was a bit delirious in bed. But the idea was thinking, what am I going to do when I'm better with this? Why did I set up a podcast for Ivan Yates? And I rang just, him from my sick bed. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever just think about maybe saying, okay, I'm just going to have more quality time or family time or see more of the world or relax a bit more? I mean, you're reared. Are are all five kids well reared now at this stage? Most most of them. One fellow is still in secondary school. But yeah, I mean, they're all independent people of the world. And we do spend a lot of time together. Like we've had a number of birthdays and various things 
over the last week. In fact, we had a great night down in Mill Street last Saturday night because my mother-in-law had her 90th. Mary Hickey in Mill Street had her 90th birthday party down in the Wallace Arms in Mill Street last uh, Saturday night. So the family was down and we had a fantastic weekend down in Mill Street and over into Killarney as well. So we spent a lot of time together and I spent a lot of time playing golf. I took up golf three and a half years ago and that's the big issue now. That's eating into my work time. And that I have to make no. sure I get two rounds of golf the, a week. The work time is eating into your golf time, Matt. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but what what about what about Cork? Do you do you miss it? It's it's no longer home and hasn't been for a long time. But do you get back a lot? I do end up going back a lot. I would end up I still have contacts. I used to play uh, rugby was Sunday as well. I played Gaelic football in Bishopstone, so I went back over the years at the various clubs doing things. I go back a lot to do stuff down in UCC as well. And uh, I love getting done. Unfortunately, both my parents are long dead. I didn't have any brothers and sisters, so there's not many family as such yeah. cousins and yeah. things in Cork. Yeah. So I don't have those sort of family collections to bring me back. I would end up down in Mill Street a bit. Aileen, my wife, is from Mill Street, so we'd be down to see her mother and whatever. So I, I get back to Cork in that way, but I always love and, and the thing is, I had a great day back in October. I had two of my daughters down me, two adult daughters. We were at a, a conference in UCC, but I walked them from round UCC, showing them the Holland Chapel where Aileen and myself had got married, walked them down through town, showing them various places, and they were expressing an interest in coming back again and seeing more of the place that they probably haven't seen enough of having grown up in Dublin as Dublin children. So you went on a bit of a Cork scove then, pointing out the various landmarks, of which as a Corkman you'd be very proud of. But have you seen yeah. a lot have you seen a lot of change though in the city? I mean, you know the way it is now. People always kind of are very quick to criticise and say that things are just going from bad to worse. What's your take on Cork? Well, actually, funny enough, I did a book last year called Who Really Owns Ireland? And there's a chapter about Cork in it and about the development of Cork. And one morning, I actually was down in Cork and I went for a run around the city centre. And I was fascinated by the things that are changing, the things that are being built and the things that are not being built. And I think it's an absolute travesty that we haven't got the convention centre down yeah. the South Main yeah. Street yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that vacant site lying there idle for so long is an absolute disgrace and it would be fantastic for Cork if that was there. Um, but I was fascinated down around, particularly down around the marina and the Docklands area. My late father worked in the Marina Bakery and that's part of the whole area where there's incredible plans uh, that you have the likes of John Cleary and Brian O'Callaghan looking to revitalise that whole area. And I think that would be absolutely fantastic for the city of Cork if all the apartments and everything were built there and bringing more people back into the city centre. And have it. But I love going to the various restaurants in Cork City and the restaurant. I love the city centre. It's a beautiful city centre. And I wish you know people w- would have perhaps more time to come in from the suburbs. But here's the criticism the during the week now. Now, an awful lot of the buildings on Patrick Street and indeed, sadly, on the spine sit, uh, streets off it are either vacant or derelict or closed up and all over the shops, all over them, you got at least three different floors, a lot of them empty that could be homes. Many now have migrated to your Mahon Points and your Wilton Shopping Centres and Ballyvalan yeah. and Blackpool. And it's like as if the city, I don't know whether you think it is dying on its feet. 
I, I think you make a great point there and it's because of something I say about Dublin as well wouldn't it be great to use all the floors above the shops on O'Connell Street to make O'Connell Street a living hub as well Patrick Street it would be absolutely the same I mean I know it's a shame that the Old Roaches stores has been closed for so long uh, which was of course then Debenhams I know Elveries are in there now and they're revitalising it and the rest of it but it would be terrific if you could come somewhere around the fire regulations and stuff to encourage people to live above the floors I mean think about all the students who could be there who could be going up to UCC or the new business school which is going to go in uh, around the South Mall area and if you think of all of the various I mean I know there's in the North Main Street there's new student accommodation been built and I think that's useful to sort of revitalise an old area of the city but if you could maybe encourage the students when they come to live in the city and they can go to their pubs up around Washington Street and all the rest of it and go up to the campus up in UCC or go to the other uh, add-on it would give a real great life to the city again. In fairness, you have to say you haven't lost the feel or the pulse of the city even though you're in Dublin so many years. In fairness, in the paper this morning is saying that the old Sexton site, you probably had a few points there way back in the day, that's <laughs> being developed by John Cleary. The plan was to put office blocks there but now he's flipped to 200 apartments. That's got to be a better decision, doesn't it? That's great news. I mean, I think we have an excess now at this stage. I mean, and the commercial buildings that have gone up in Cork and in other parts of the country are great. They're more modern, they're more environmentally friendly, but I think there's probably enough of them at this stage. So let's use the space. Now, there are all sorts of financial issues that apartments are expensive to build, and when they're expensive to build, it means they're expensive to rent or they're expensive to buy. But you know what? It would be great to have more of those in the city centre and just encourage and look at all the facilities that you could I mean you can develop and I know there's a lot I walked as well from Parky Cueve up and you know when the old sites down on Monaghan Road and the rest of it there's a lot of housing going in but you can build new parks there there's a phenomenal potential to have new Fitzgerald parks in the city as yeah, well yeah, and yeah. have these real great living things for people to enjoy be good for you next time you're down with the gang to go down to the marina market have you checked that out the yes, massive food have, hub down there I don't yeah, think you'd have anything yeah, like that in Dublin now, I'd say. No, it's, and, and that's a terrific initiative. And that, again, and things like that to draw people into the centre. And then if you go there and you can wander back up into the city centre, and I mean, there's so many great pubs in Cork City Centre. Yeah. I was in Market Lane recently with a couple of friends. I was down for something else. And it was great to sit in. And actually... For somebody, I had, when I left Cork and got him out of Cork 35 years ago at this stage, I would have been a Murphy's drinker and then I couldn't get it in Dublin. So I ended up drinking Guinness. And when you go to Guinness, the different taste was hard to move back to Murphy's. Now, I rarely have a pint these days, but I had a couple of pints of Murphy's inside the Market Lane before Christmas. And Jesus, it was gorgeous. So would you, would you have, okay, Market Lane is a great spot, great for food, but would, yeah. you, hit, would you ever hit the Long Valley or Coonan's or, or oh, the yeah. Chateau or any places like that? Yeah, I've, I haven't been in for a while, but I used to always sort of love the ideas of uh, the Long Valley. And, Jesus, getting nostalgic now. Christmas Eve in the high beat. <laughs> do you remember Brian then? You do? <laughs> yes, yes. He didn't bar you, did he? He barred us all at one stage. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Neil. <laughs> he did. Oh, you look sideways at you. You're out. Not tonight, sir. I said, Brian, I was here last Friday. No, 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 you've had enough. <laughs> and the, the other place, the great crimes against humanity in Cork, the Western Star should never have been demolished. What that can you do? The great Okay, yeah, it never happened. <laughs> so you can't take Cork out of the out of the man. You can't take. I suppose you can't take the North Man out of you as well. 
probably a former a proud former pupil. A couple of years behind me, I think, though. Is that right? I would have been. I finished there in '83. I think I beat you by about two or three by about two or three years then. So listen, the podcast with Matt. Then um, we had a great old chat with him earlier in the week, as you know. He doesn't hold back. He talks about who's going to be next Taoiseach. He talks about Mary Lou having the killer instinct. Uh, do you read the room the very same as him? Then God no, Jesus, I wouldn't want to read the room the same way. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a boring podcast if you did, I suppose. Absolutely. In fact, the new one that's coming out this afternoon, we would have very different views in relation to immigration. Uh, so I'll leave people to imagine sort of the, the role that sort of broke out in relation to that. But I suppose the thing that works is we respect each other's opinions. Even if we disagree entirely, we're able to actually have the conversation and laugh at each other and snag each other, even if we think entirely different. And I suppose that's the way that, I, I suppose what we're trying to do as much as anything else, we're, when we don't want it to be boring, we want it to be entertaining for people. We want them to sort of feel that if they stick on their headphones and they go for a walk with the dog, or if they're driving on their way to golf for a match at the weekend or something like that, that they'll get informed about the things that are important to them, but they'll also get a bit entertained by it, and they'll get a bit of a laugh out of the outrageous things that Ivan says, and how upset I get by what he's saying. <laughs> Do you accept, though, that when he says the 40-year-olds and under are angry as hell, they want no more of their parents' world or their parents' politics, they realise now they're going to be renting all of their lives potentially, or going to Australia, as thousands have done, even from Cork alone, and that it will be an election of massive change and you just can't stop it? Um, well, yes and no. I mean, like I have my own adult children who do uh, bring up the issue of how they're ever going to be able to afford to buy their own home. And, you know, we have sort of I'm symp- very sympathetic to them in relation to that because they're going to have to look after themselves in that regard. I'm not doing it for them, um, which is the way for the vast majority of people. Um, they talk about going away at times, but not permanently. And, you know, for all the people that go to Australia as well, my I had a daughter out there for six months last year. She was out at the Australian National University mm. on a sort of an Erasmus type thing. And, uh, and she came back. It's not cheap out in Australia. She was working part-time as well. She was getting paid better doing bar work in Canberra. But uh, she had big bills to pay as well. So she realises that you can go somewhere like that but you find that rent and the cost of living is very expensive in other countries as well. It's not just Ireland. So, you know, I think, you know, they, they would look at the potential for doing stuff and coming back and we want to come back. But yeah, there's a big frustration, but I'm not sure they necessarily think that they're hearing anything from the opposition parties that would make things better. And the one thing that Ivan may not be giving enough attention to in relation to that is, is that a lot of the younger people are very motivated by environmental concerns as well and they're going to be looking to the political parties not just in relation to housing Mm. Uh, they won't be as concerned as their parents and grandparents are as about health but they will despite their willingness at times to fly off four or five times a year in short holidays or buy way too much disposable clothing yeah yeah. oh the stuff I'm sure I'm always giving out to them because they're all still living here at home and the amount of boxes I'm seeing coming in of clothes and stuff (laughs) and stuff like I'm going do you not realise this stuff has been shipped in from China it's now been delivered to your door and you're sending it back because you don't like it I'm sorry I'm getting into a domestic no you're you're all right because I can relate to it there was a time when my two were at home and I think that we had our own 
own exclusive uh, exclusive Amazon van just delivering to our house. Yeah. It was insane. Oh, sure. I'm on first name terms with all the drivers now that they're coming to live stuff to the door, you know. <laughs> giving them a Christmas box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. And give them an Amazon return box. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, it's good to catch up with you and uh, good luck with the podcast. Don't be a stranger on Lee's side and look after yourself, Matt. Great to chat, pal. Look after yourself. Great. Thanks very much, Neil. All Thanks the best. Bye bye. Matt Cooper from Today FM and also from the new. <laughs> it's true, actually. The Amazon fans. Stop. I, mean, I, know, I know all of the guys so much so that they just say this one's for Cathy this is for Luke this one's for Paula <laughs> never for me oh I did I bought I bought one of these replacement bathroom lights there recently anyway thanks to, to Matt Path to Power the weekly podcast go check it out uh, I've listened to some previews on it and it is great entertainment and it really is that entertainment back after the break text 0868 Red FM. Join me weekday afternoons from midday as I bring the good times with the biggest hits and feel-good anthems, as well as the most up-to-date celeb juice. Kendra Grove. This is maybe your exclusive. Yeah, I've heard some whispers. Kira Revens on Cork's Good Times. Red FM. Don't miss out. Weekdays from midday. Call Neil now. 0818-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. We acknowledge also a massive response uh, by way of text regarding Ray's bet against, um, uh, you know, you'd, uh, you'd an accumulator bet with uh, with Boyle Sports that um, was paid out to somebody else. That's my understanding of it. I can call it as I see it. Somebody else got the money that was his. Uh, but at this stage, Boyle Sports is saying that this is a matter from Angarda Shikona. There's an awful lot of people out there know exactly, exactly how betting works, an awful lot more than me about scanning and about, you know, um, betting slips and, you know, going back for the money in the different terminals. So I acknowledge all of that and they have their own particular stories to tell with regards to their own dockets. One or two things that I've noticed actually is that uh, people who, who got big, big wins, like let's see an email came in this morning for somebody uh, who won five grand and when they were back um, to collect the five grand lo and behold there was a new sign was up in the window of the bookie saying we don't pay out any more than two grand uh, which is kind of weird really and then others were saying that actually a bet between you and a bookie is actually a gentleman's agreement and not enforceable by law so we'll keep I don't know whether that's true or not but we'll keep an eye on that one uh, over the next couple of weeks see what the next stage is Um, it is a case now at this stage that um, Douglas Gardy are involved in it Um, people talk about inactivity I reported a sex provocative note that was posted through my letterbox to Toka Gardee, they said that because I was living in the Douglas area, they would hand it off to Douglas Gardee. That was last November. Um, I've been waiting since then, even for an initial follow-up. Douglas Gardee Station is a part-time service, despite being a lovely building. So the same, something similar happened, actually, with regards to um, you know, that wouldn't be investigated by, say, for instance, Boyle Sports in Glanmire because the bet was actually cashed in um, in Grange. But that matter has been handed over from Toker Gardaí now to uh, Douglas Gardaí because it'd be closer to the Douglas area. So I'm just saying uh, a lot then on living over the business and living over shops. There are people living very much and enjoying life above all of the businesses in Bandon. If it can happen in a small town, surely it could happen in the city. Morning. Can I just say there is a cafe on the Cole Quay? besides the bodega that has two beautiful apartments above them. No problem with planning in those regards and people are happily living in them. I would, I would, if it were safe, you know, and it's not altogether 100% safe city, but it, for a safe city, um, you know, where you didn't have, um, you know, people who were maybe down on their luck or uh, addicted to drugs or sleeping in doorways or fighting, 
all too often, then it'd be a lovely city to be reared in as a child, wouldn't it? You're talking about people living over the premises. How in the name of God are people meant to get into their homes when you have winos sleeping in your doorway? Also, it would be a major uh, fire risk. Um, I, I know you use the word wino, but uh, that isn't really an applicable word anymore. It was way back in the day. Um, big shout out actually to Tim Keane and all of his staff. I'm a 52-year-old in Cork. Uh, my first time experience going into the shop was at Christmas time and it was absolutely amazing service. Uh, so that's somebody bigging up a Cork shop on Leaside, Michelle, the jewellers on Patrick Street. Can I go back to the phone lines if you don't mind? Uh, J- uh, Michael's online too. Michael, good morning. Hello. We're talking about the cruelty to animals, particularly dogs and ponies and horses and foals and what have you, up around uh, the Apple Campus. Yeah, I know it well, yeah. How do, how do you know it? Do you, do you live there in the area? I, I'm reasonably near it. I know it very well. And I know what's going on there. And like everyone else in Cork, they know what's going on there. Well, what do you expect anyway? This is Ireland. Everyone is dodging around trying to draw the money as easy as they can and go away home on Friday and to hell with the consequences. What we need up there is a few busloads of Spanish police with, with the long batons and the sidearm and not seven bells out these fellas. And that would, that would quickly bring them to heal them. I'm only talking about cruelty to animals now at the moment, and you'd want to yeah, be very, well, I, very I'd, careful I'd be talk, about. I'd be, uh, I'd be talking about cruelty to people. Okay. A couple of years ago, out in the Valley Road, there was a sulky race there early in the morning, and they got a garde escort instead of blocking off the road and round up these bloody fellows and locked them up. They got a they got a garde escort so that the sulky race could take place on the Mallow Road, or what? Well, it was supposed to do with traffic safety. It would have been very easy to block off the road from both ends and round these fellas up. Build a compound. Build a compound and shove the whole bloody lot of them in there. But you can't do that. That's insane. You can't do that. That's cruelty to human beings then. You can't fight with yes, yeah. what about What about the poor animals? Oh, I mean, I, I don't think people are doing... I don't think it's been handled tough enough at all with regards to the animals. I think we need to... Yeah. I, think we, I think I'm not saying we should move up as many gears as you're suggesting, but it's time to get tough on those people if they can be proved to own the animals, absolutely. But everybody's too standoffish, you see. They don't want to seem to be getting involved in this because there'll be all sorts of groups and uh, all sorts of organisations that will be coming out and saying that it was discrimination. Oh, sure, of course. The, the, the country now is full of crazies. And what I'd like to know is who's driving them? Who, who are the organ grinders? Do you know? When you say organ grinders, who's running the country? Is yeah, it? yeah. Who, who, who are the people behind these groups, these pressure groups? Well, they're, they're in, in the case of the travelling community, there's a number of groups, groups that represent their needs because not all, tra- not all members of the travelling communities create trouble. They just don't. It's not the case. But the, those that do give a bad name to those that um, are trying to get on with their lives and live them happily and quietly and within the law. That's the problem. You see all these traveller shout-outs and the call-out videos and the slash hooks that are caught and you know people going around with sawn-off shotguns blown in people's doors. Not, not everybody is doing that. There's just certain sections, certain families who are engaged know, in feuds. Are, are, are all those fellas locked up then? No, no, no. Are they, are they all above the jail? No, no, no. 
Yeah. I know, you, and I'm just, I know what you're saying. A lot of what you're saying is common sense. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Finish up. The, um, there was a woman I just on there earlier. She got some penalty points or something because something was wrong with her car. Was that right up in Nocknaini? She did 55 and a 50 in Nocknaini. She'd been up there. Oh, feed, yeah, she'd yeah. been feeding, feeding stray dogs. She got uh, an yeah, 80 euro yeah, fine yeah. and three penalty points. Yeah, what about the guys with the balaclavas flying around the motorbikes? I saw one of them, I saw one of them going through the supermarket car park above in in Holly Hill there recently. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm as sick to death of it as everybody else is. You're right. You're right. There's a gas station over the road. What are, what are they doing? It's very standoffish. I accept that. I accept that. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Keep those calls coming. 0818 Neve, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. So I hope this phone line's okay. Go ahead. What's on your mind? I was just listening about that. What's going on um, with the um, with the animals and everything? It's just simple, really. Um, there needs to be more um, done. And basically, if somebody—and I'm not saying any group or anything—if somebody breaks the law, they need to be hit where it's going to hurt them the most. Taxpayers, and let's say if they are in social housing or if they are um, getting social payments, then it needs to be withdrawn from them. Simple, because I can't. You can't putting them into prison. I mean, that's only putting more pressure on what is a system that's already devastated. And so, basically, you know, it's it, it, there's nothing being done, and no, the law can't isn't touching them. But you're, in, in what regard, though? Are you talking about in, in in regards to criminality? Are you talking regarding the feuding? Or are you talking about the cruelty to Every, animals? Everything. It's everything. It's it's just real simple these days to go out and do what what do whatever and get away with it. And that's why um, people are doing what they're doing because there's no repercussions. Absolutely none. And indeed, there are certain groups as well that are basically the law doesn't touch them, and people are getting sick of it. And and then if you say anything, you're racist. You know, it's just it, people are afraid to say anything because there's um, repercussions. And then if they do have repercussions against them, what happens then? Nothing. But you have to but be very careful about that. I mean, I paying a citizen of this country. Um, if I did anything out of the way, by God, I'd be in, in trouble in a split second. So you lived overseas, did you, for a long time? <clears throat> yeah, I did. I, I did. And uh, I came back three years ago and I'm leaving again. Why? So um, there's just a lot of different factors, really. Um, just, yeah, um, you just you come back and it's the weather is a big thing, which you can't change. But there's other factors of... Um, just the cost of living, to be able to buy a house, um, you know, just the ability to do things here. It's 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 just so expensive. I mean, you're going. I was away at last weekend and paying seven euro for for a, for a, a pint of beer. I mean, and there are are twenty five up to thirty forty euro for a bottle of wine. I mean, I'm not just talking about alcohol. I'm talking about food. I'm talking about petrol. I mean, I just, I don't know how a petrol station can one day be one euro 66 and the next day be 170. And tell me this. Can I ask you where you're comparing Ireland with? Where did you live for a long period of time? I lived in lots of different places in the world. Okay, so so you lived in lots of different places. You don't have to. Lots of different places who would have had lots of different cost of living Prices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would say I lived in the Middle East, right? Um, and I've lived in mainland Europe and I've lived in different places other than that. And look, there's there's bad things in every place. I, I, I do get that. Um, but 
uh, you know, people give out about human rights in the Middle East and blah, 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 right? But at the end of the day, when you go in there, you know the rules of what you're doing when you go in there. And they don't put up with anything. It's just, that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it seems here... It, and even in mainland Europe, they don't put up as, as much as we do here in Ireland. No, but we want, and it will happen, we want our Gardaí to have pepper spray. We want our Gardaí to have tasers. We want our Gardaí to have batons. We want our Gardaí to have uh, cameras on their on their jackets. We want them to have proper gear so that they're protected, that they have stab vests. And we want them to get on with their job. These things are beginning to happen slowly but surely. It took the stabbing of children in Dublin to do that. So things are changing. I don't know that we wanted to go far enough as to, to arm all members of the Garda Shikana. If you have a, gar- if you have a, a, um, a police force um, that aren't uh, um, equipped to deal with people who already have guns and all of the rest of it, how can you... How can you even do your job? Like when you talk talk about the riot, like when I was saying about the riots up in Dublin, if I was a guard, I would not have even stepped into that situation because at the end of the day, I'm not equipped to do my job. I mean, they talk about GDPR here with the body cams and all. Seriously, if you're going to do something out of the way, then your face is going to be on it and therefore your rights are taken away from you. It's just gone crazy. Well, I hope that that so doesn't long. become an issue for cameras and and guarded jackets because that would be so nonsense. But it's so long to get anything done here in Ireland is because, like, everything across the board that they want to bring in to protect people, it's, a, oh, this is against my rights, this is this, this and that. At the end of the day, these things are brought in to protect you, but people are just um, against everything. It just seems here, it just takes so long to do anything. It's like buying a house here takes forever. You can buy a house in mainland Europe in a month. Here it takes up to six months or more. And did you come back recently, or uh, I'm sorry, some some couple of years back, with staying, wanting to stay? I came back to stay. Yeah, I came back. And then, look, I'm not, I'm, look, I love Ireland. I'm from here. Um, but I just, there are parts that you, you just quicken things up. You know, let people move on with their lives, like planning laws, all of that. Let's move forward and move move on and catch up, you know, catch up. And you, you, it, with the crime that's happening, it, there's nothing being done. And that's the, those poor animals up there and the people who have to go in and try and do their job, have, as the man said, to wear stab vests, to go in and pick up a dog or a dead carcass. I mean, that's just... You, you believe that that kind of scenario would not be tolerated in a number of countries that you've lived in? Yeah, wouldn't be tolerated okay. because basically what the police force would go in, they'd go in armed and heavy and by God, those people would not be living there after this situation. Because, yeah, because they, they are tenants, some of them, not all of them, but some of them who are misbehaving no. or breaking the law wouldn't, shouldn't be tenants of a city council property. Yeah, it's just such a busy... I, look, as I said, people in Ireland, fantastic. The country is... Uh, it's a, a lovely place, other than the weather. And it's just that they, it just certain things aren't being dealt with. And it's just unfortunate for the people who go out day after day, work, pay heavy taxes on everything that you do. And then for this to be in your face... And it, like, what's good for one should be good for the others. You Thank know? you for that. Appreciate it. Look after yourself. Thank, Thank you. Of text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Um, actually, it's a very good point because you talk about the people paying taxes. What I really feel sorry for these days is people who are in business, say inside in the city, that it would be an NSME, a small to medium sized business. You might have a restaurant or a cafe or a bar, or a shoe shop or a, a fashion shop, or maybe you might sell cosmetics or whatever it is you do books. Uh, and you got all of these new rules and regulations coming in. The sick pay one is very good for somebody who's sick.
but not for the employer who's got to pay it. You've got to pay three the first three days now. Next year it'll be four, and then the year after that, five, all the way up to seven. And then ultimately, 10 days sick pay would be paid for by the employer before any money would ever come out of the taxation system that the employee who's sick had paid into in the first place. I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming my understanding of that is correct, is that I'm not missing something. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. You can get involved in the conversation. Text 0868-104-106. Uh, we got live music this morning. Uh, Stephen Falvey, the Cork singer-songwriter, will be in studio playing us out, as people do every single Friday morning, thanks to Owen Hesse and Live Music Promotions for providing us with the ongoing quality music over the past year or so. And on it goes. Back to the phone lines this side of uh, 11. Una, good morning. Um, I've got line one here, but, uh, you know, are you there? Can you hear me now, Una? Somebody is there, but I just uh, can't seem to pick up the call. So we'll come back to it in a couple of seconds. You want to sort that one out. Here we go again. I'm disgusted and saddened to hear what this person, this lady who started this conversation this morning with, with dogs eating the carcass of a dead horse uh, and what they have to witness. Cruelty to animals has escalated to a point that our animal charities are now bursting at the seams between dog cruelty, neglect and abandonment. I'm ashamed to live in this country with all of this animal cruelty. What has happened to people that they've become so heartless and barbaric. I just can't get my head around it. Uh, And then um, I see a number of emails coming in from various people who also wanted to get involved in the conversation. What difference does it make? I I have no idea in that regard. Anyway, maybe got Una now and we'll see if she's there. Una, good morning. Hi, Neil. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Go ahead. You have the floor. Thanks for your text. What's your take on all of this? Um, Well, I'm a fierce animal lover and um, I was working up in BG Turnkey there back in 2000-2001. I was heavily pregnant at the time and um, there was a traveller's car that was allowed park at the premises, the gates of the premises and I noticed that there was a German Shepherd tied on by a rope, a young dog and it just breaks my heart every morning coming in as, as all the factory were very upset about it and um, anyway Christmas came and went and it was actually a snowy Christmas and when I came back to work security told me that dog was out and all that snow it just sleep under the caravan there was never even a bowl of water in front of it so I couldn't take any more of this even though I had three dogs at home myself and uh, um a few days later, my husband at the time went up and he cut the rope and he got the dog. And when I came home from work, the dog was in front of the fire. <laughs> and uh, it was after downing three bowls of water and four bowls of food. And um, you could see its ribs. It was oh. absolutely, oh my God. So we had a run um, out in the front. Um, we were walled in. So we put her in there. And I'd say we three other dogs, I says. And um, so I told nobody up there because I was afraid they'd track me down. And um, my husband just walked the dog at night. Now, we were in the south side, so we were the other side of the city. He just walked her at night. And one evening, we had her a few weeks. He went in to get her and she ran into the kennel, ran out, ran in, ran out. And there was two pups inside. Really? So she actually had seven pups overnight. How many? Luckily, they all seven? Lived. Seven. Seven. You never Four even knew she was pregnant? Inside. No, because she was so thin. And um, they all lived anyway, and we kept them until they were the seven or eight weeks old. And uh, we luckily got homes for them. And uh, we fell in love with her, so we kept her 
got her neutered and my God, she was the most beautiful dog. My son was born a month later and my God, did she mind him. I mean, go out in the buggy and she'd be beside me. And when he became of age where he was about four or five where he could run around in the park playing football, every time we walked around the park she'd run in around the the place where he was playing and she'd circle around him and she was just so protective over him and she was the best dog I swear to God we gave her a great life and she got a stroke about 12 years later but believe it or not she got out of the stroke and she lived another year and then her back legs as the Alsatians do the back legs started going and she eventually had to be put down but you know it was a, a um and I, and I to it was a beautiful a story from such an horrific beginning because that dog what yeah. was the what was the German shepherd's name? We called her Holly. Holly. Well, if you hadn't yeah. taken Holly, cut the rope and taken her home, she clearly would have died of starvation. Oh, she and, would never have been able to give birth, like and dehydration. She was too weak, you know. And I believe I don't know. I'm only guessing, but she was robbed from somebody, you know, and. Uh, they just had her as kind of a guide, guard dog or something, you know. Just tied it, just tied on to the outside of a caravan. Just tied on by a rope and never exercised. As I say, there wasn't even a bowl of food in front of her or a bowl of water even. And she slept underneath the caravan in all weathers. How do you feel um, that 20 years later things are an awful lot worse? Oh, this is it. It's horrific, like, you know. I mean, when I was up there, no, I was only up there for less than two years. And his house coming home with dogs that were abandoned and totally neglected and just, you know, they weren't looked after. And I honed them. I got home with them. Um, and they all lo- luckily got good lives. And they were all young dogs. Um, so uh, to think it's still as bad as ever, if not worse, is just what's going on. Like, who's responsible for this? How can it be? Helped, and I know the rescue centres are up the so creek. The, the horses are dropping dead, like the ponies are yeah. dropping dead. And some of them are dying, yeah. I imagine, from sheer exhaustion from pulling sulkies. Exactly, yeah. And even when I was up there that time, there was a horse over in a field nearby that we could see that was being whipped and everything. And we reported it a few times and nothing happened, you know. So I don't know what can be done to improve these situations. Right. Like, I mean, it's just horrendous. Like, Okay, lovely you know? story in the end for Holly. I'm so glad you lived such a long and yeah. happy life in spite of her start. Great dog. All right, look yeah. after yourself. Thanks so much, Una. All right, thanks. Next story, 68104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Uh, interestingly, this is the road that wokeism leads to, Neil. Uh, as you speak, every single person in Cork, as you speak, every single person in Cork knows the community you're talking about, but yet they get away with it year in, year out, and nobody does anything about it, and it ultimately leads to this. Text 086 you want to get involved in that conversation I'll pick up some more texts afterwards mind you, a lot on Cork City over the past couple of days, besides the parking one of the main reasons that they're going to Cork City is the footpaths, any drop of rain at all in the footpaths in Cork City are totally and utterly slippy I'm glad to hear that because I, I thought I was the only one that actually found them quite dangerous you get the odd schlown. Uh, Anne Donnelly, who will be 90 later this month, is living over her bar, Coonan, since she was two years old, Neil. Her parents took a lease on the bar 88 years ago. She walked in the door there at the age of two and never left it. She married her husband, Mick Donnelly, 
of Donnelly's Bakery on Shandon Street and raised her four children over the bar. Yet another Cork legend for you. Thank you for that. I love those stories because we were talking about the oldest businesses still working and still doing the thing on Leaside on yesterday's programme. So that's another one. And, and McDonnelly, uh, the couple behind Cunahan's on uh, Pembroke Street. Yeah, Pembroke Street. Okay, back after 11. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Oh, my God, a year old morning with text, that's for sure. Never seen so many. Um, obviously, people are very irate when it comes to anything in regards to, say, firstly, breaking the law. Secondly, feeling as if you're outside of many of the laws. And thirdly, cruelty to animals and what have you. So a lot on that. Um, and just one or two of them um, in the shape of people who are living in areas adjacent to that and they're saying that there are kids now um, who are going around threatening children in the local park but you can't uh, let your kids walk up to the garage without them being harassed by these children when you call the guards all they say is don't bring them don't bring them on yourselves they're above the law and that's a direct quote from a texter this morning Uh, if they're not microchipped and they say they're not why don't the authorities just take the animals away uh, the man is saying that animal owners can do whatever they want and uh, then bring in the army for God's sake. The law is the law is the law. Well, you, you know, a lot of the time uh, the shelters or the cruelty organizations are civilians. They're not Gardaí and they're not the army. You know, they don't have those kind of powers. But unfortunately, uh, all too often they now have to wear stab vests. The easiest thing to do with anyone who breaks the law is to take away their housing benefit and take away their dole because the rest of us are working hard to pay our taxes. I'm absolutely sick of the excuse that they are this and they are that. Minority groups and etc, etc. If we were anybody else, we would be crucified with fines. Um, And there's another one or two here. What should be addressed is the attitude of the people doing this. It's not about attacking the people who help the animals. It's very unfair at the end of the day. The staff shouldn't be taking the abuse when they try to intervene. They aren't getting paid enough to do the jobs that they do. Uh, Listening to talk about the dog warden, nobody seems to twig. The, the dog warden's the problem, giving every excuse in the world where they can't save the animals, the horses and the dogs. Get someone with courage to take on these thugs, a small minority they are, and responsible for awful cruelty. And they should be brought before the courts. People that are cruel to animals are equally cruel to people. It just follows that way. Uh, one more for now. My children go to school in the area. They've been attacked at lunchtime, going to and from school by gangs of horrible people. All or at least some from that park. They have the children up there terrified because they catch them uh, one by one and they give people a bad beating, sometimes with weapons. Our kids won't hit back because the boys are always in groups and they have dogs with them. So they set the dogs on our children. If they try to stand up for themselves, I'd love to come on air, but I just couldn't risk it. They will seriously hurt my son. Please, please. I make a change and I hope you get to read this out. Recently did a delivery to a premises that backs onto the aforementioned park. There was a beautiful horse lying dead in the field adjacent to a warehouse. I, being an animal lover, inquired about it. I was told to call back later when I'd see, when I would see a pack of dogs helping themselves to the stomach and the insides of the dead horse. I am so sorry for the description, but that, my friend, is the reality of it. And that's just a flavour. There's a lot more besides that. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Um, if you came late to the programme this morning, I was talking about the newspapers earlier on, uh, and there is a front page or an inside page or many of the tabloids at the front of the sun this morning. I think it's, I think it's quite funny, actually. Uh, he was trying to make a point where he said... 
Now, this is a chap by the name of Sean Bryans. Uh, he went on a bender, he said, and he drank 81 pints of Guinness in three days over Christmas. 33-year-old up in Kilkenny. Uh, he said all he felt was a bit tired and he had no hangover and he went home to bed. I don't know if anybody actually fact-checked any of that because he's ended up on the front of the newspapers with the story today. I drank 81 pints of Guinness in three days uh, and it went viral. Many people came out and gave him an awful lot of grief and were critical of his uh, reckless drinking or what have you. We contacted him last night, or at least Seamus did, uh, and he said, no, it was um, a piss take. Pardon me for saying that. Uh, it was a bet that I have with my friends just to show how easy it was to get into the papers these days and the world, why the world is the way it is, lads. Uh, so he said he made the entire thing up to prove to his pals that he could get into uh, a newspaper with the story of drinking 81 pints of Guinness when he didn't. Somebody went out, obviously some photojournalists went out, took photographs of him then with a the pint of Guinness in hand and it ended up in the papers and indeed on the front page of The Sun. So it makes you wonder about the question, you know, whether or not everything you see and read in the newspapers is actually true. Now, I mean, you are right to criticise from time to time if I'm inaccurate in things that I do. And somebody says, you're wrong there regarding the sick days list that you gave out. The three days uh, paid sick by an employee, the employer, was last year. It's now five days this year. And rightly so. Neil, do you know that before this came in and became law, if you were out sick from work for the first week, nobody was liable to pay you anything. No, I'm not saying that somebody who's sick shouldn't be paid. And I, I, I was at, I was, I, I labored the point this morning saying you're entitled to get paid if you're out sick because your life goes on and your bills are to be paid and food is to be put on the table. I understand that. My point was, who should have to pay? It's the employer now in 2024 has to pay the first five days. In 2025, it'll be the seven days, work days, first seven work days. And in 2026, it'll be the first 10. So it's like paying an extra two weeks holidays in equivalent money to um, an employee by an employer. That's all I'm saying. Now it's now it's fine. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be paid it, but I'm saying it's out of your PRSI, your POIE and your taxes. I don't altogether think that it's employers uh, have to pay it. I'm glad to talk to him um, if you if you can give me Kevin because I know he's under pressure for time. Kev, good morning. Can you turn that radio down incidentally, Kev, if you don't mind? No, he can't hear me because he's got the radio up too loud so you're going to have to turn it down. I can talk to him in a couple of seconds time. Uh, actually, tell you what I'll do, I'll talk to him after the break. Text or What's up, Neil? Now, 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. The week we were talking about the closure of more Cork City businesses. I know it don't become a cross as sounding as if it's all doom and gloom, but we chatted with the Baldy Barber who's putting the business up for sale, and one of the reasons was is because he says there are just too many barbershops opened in the last five or ten years. A lot of them are in the black economy, more are doing it from home, and others, of course, are just, uh, you know, doing it bookshy into the back pocket, no cash. Or, sorry, just cash. Huge discussion needs to be had regarding the black market and barbering, Neil. They're just not operating at home, but they're renting chairs, not paying tax and pocketing every penny. It's pushing a lot of legitimate businesses out, not just the Bali Barber. It is ruining the trade and the culture. Um, uh, the Bali Barber says he's closing down, yet in the last four years, eight new Turkish barbershops opened in Mallow alone on top of four local shops already there, bringing the total to 12 different barbershops in Mallow, all charging at least 16 to 18 euro a cut, something not adding up. Well, it sounds to me as if there's an awful lot of barbers in Mallow. I can't see them all doing business. Um, Don't give out my details, but yes, people rent a chair and a salon for barbering or they rent a chair for nails or for tattoos and they will ask customers to pay cash only so they can avoid paying tax. To be fair, the government does make it very hard to be self-employed 
but it's very unfair on legitimate businesses then. I'm all for paying cash, but I'm always sceptical where somewhere is cash only. Uh, another one, go to all of our beautiful, go, go all over our beautiful city and see what's there. They call themselves Turkish barbers. My brother was getting married and he brought us all into a Turkish barber for haircuts and shaves the morning of his wedding. I came home and I had to have another shave. The country is over for Irish and our generation. What is now called multiculturalism is failed as an experiment. Uh, these people won't have Irish bones or a drop of Irish blood in their bodies. Uh, I think that that's rather cruel, my own self. I really do. I think you end up um, uh, uh, being very unfair on people who come here uh, to live and to rear a family and pay taxes and get on with their lives. Uh, Texter says, then, I know for a fact that many... Uh, of the so-called Turkish aren't even anywhere near the Turkish border. Far from Turkish barbers. Uh, we're all for change. We have to. We have to go along with the rest of the world to get left behind. I understand that. But the biggest worry I have is to our Irish heritage. Given another fifty years, and we'll have ghettos all over the country with all the same nationalities in these places. Just look across the pond to the UK to see what happened and you will totally understand what I am saying. So thank you for all of those. Then we were talking a lot about businesses that have stood the test of time on Leaside. And thank you all for contributing to that by text. Uh, we spoke about many and here are some more of them. Kathleen Noonan's stall in the English market is there for over 50, 60 years. It was set up by my grandmother. My mother Vicky worked there before setting up her own shop in Turner's Cross. My aunt Pauline still runs the stall in the market all these years later, says Edwin. Uh, Mick Murphy's on the North Main Street. All of the country people got dressed there. Such was the service that I went back after 25 years. I may have read this text out yesterday. Uh, Toomey Shop on Barrick Street, where Breda is the legend. If it wasn't already obvious that this government were trying to wipe out small businesses, a quick walk through Cork City... And look at the dozens of empty stores is all the evidence that you will need. Pat O'Connell just said that in the, nine, in the uh, 11 o'clock news there from the English market, saying that a lot of the businesses that were family orientated or small ones there for decades and decades and decades are, being, are not being replaced. And the businesses that are coming on are kind of like international brands, chain stores, if you like. Nolan's Butchers and Duggan's Shoe Repairs on Shandon Street. And the Cork Button Company on Pope's Keir, some other need mentioning. T.W. Murray on Patrick Street, the place has an awful long history behind it, going back to and beyond the 1916 Rising and the rebellion against the British. One other person says, give it five years, there won't be a small business left in town. Minimum wage, expenses, sick pay have all gone so high that small businesses can't keep up. It's a shame what's happening to our beautiful city. So there are many more. I'll come back to them. But I want to go back to the phone lines because it's, um, yeah, let's let's talk more uh, about uh, Cork businesses that have been around for a long, long time. Um, anybody have heard of Charlie or Charles McCarthy Plumbing, one of Cork's oldest businesses, set up originally back in 1881, by all accounts, by granddad Charles McCarthy. Um, and many different generations have taken over and it is still thriving today. Uh, Miles McCarthy is one of the family behind the plumbing business. Miles, good morning. Good morning, man. Thanks so much for taking the call. Um, what, where do you come with regards to the generations of the plumbing business? Second or third or what? I'm third generation and Charlie, my son, is running it. He's fourth generation. So the fourth generation of McCarthy's. And it's, it's fair yes. to say that you'll be into your 80s now, Miles, so retired. Am I right? Yes, I'm just touching it. Yes, I'm just over it. Yes. Happily still, retired. Uh, still going in every morning. You Are know? you really? Oh, forgive me. So he's still working away. 
Yeah, chipping away. Yes, I'm the boy now. <laughs> Your son is the boss. Where did it start? It started in 1881. Um, my grandfather, um, um, uh, my great grandfather, was a sea captain, and the, his mother, uh, his wife, and his and, uh, and his son went down to to meet the ship in Cork Quay, and the mate had sailed it home. He was lost at sea in the Magellan Straits. And uh, she turned around and said, you'll never go to sea. And therefore, he got apprenticed um, with a plumber, um, uh, Mr. Power, who used to come in on horseback. Who was it a family member? Are you saying a family member was lost at sea, Charles? Yes, yes. And uh, he, um, they were from Kinsale. And 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 the mo- uh, and his wife said to her son, to you'll plumber. never go to sea. Yeah, well, that, that was it. And... Uh, uh, he set up a business in, uh, in 1881, and he it was in at the end of Paul Street where Matthew's old shop used to be. I know it uh, behind uh, the the school, uh, the, the Crawford Gallery, and uh, he then also had a, a gaslighting shop in Hanover Street. He was known as Charlie Gas at times because he did a lot of gas lighting. It was a big thing at that time. So and are you he, saying that in the 80s then, 1880s and there thereabouts, all of the lights in Cork would have been gas lighting? Well, a lot of gas, yeah. A lot of them were, were gas lighting, yes. And did he go around lighting them? Well, he did. He had experiment. He got an agency for a gas mantle. And uh, he did he did a lot, but mainly he did the plumbing. At that time, the, the new laws that came in, you know, with the sanitary, uh, um, uh, sanitary and uh, hot water, to eliminate all diseases, and the hospitals started to sanatoriums got all hot water. So that it was like um, uh, the computer age at that time. Hot water was a big thing, and. Uh, um, it eliminated uh, uh, all the diseases and made everything hygienic and uh, uh, also the sewers were properly done and uh, And was it around time. then that they were getting, because I imagine much of Cork would have been tenement Cork, certainly the city oh, wouldn't yes, have, yes, hot water would have been I've heard of unless you boiled oh, water yes, on, yes, the, on the fire Exactly, exactly so the plumbing went around and then uh, in 1901, um, he he built uh, a house, which is the red brick building up to the, uh, the School of Art there, and John Sis built it from, and it's, uh, the front is Ballantelic brick, I think it came from the brickworks in Ballantelic, and uh, he had uh, 10 children, and he lived over the shop, which he had uh, copper works and lead works below and a showroom. Isn't that amazing? So he had all of that on Emmett Place, lived over it, reared ten children, seven boys and three girls. Yeah. So he he lived up to 1930 and uh, uh, two of the sons ran it from the 30s to the end of the the 60s and I uh, I, uh, I'm to grow in 67 my father died and I've been working since then to um, to, 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 to now and my son took it over in, over 10, 12 years ago Isn't that amazing? And the business continues to thrive does it Miles? Yes, so we have 18 people staff and we have a marvellous set up with uh, uh, 
terrific uh, management with uh, Michelle and, and Morris and we have uh, super guys and I can't speak highly enough of all my men because they're very loyal and we have um, the marvelous intake of apprentices. I think the youngsters nowadays are fantastic and I cannot see why more people, uh, more lads can go into construction apprenticeship because they're um, they make a good living out you of it. You never have a hungry and day. And they, most, most of the youngsters in the second year have their own cars by the time they're in, uh, in the second year, you know? I know, but the uptake for apprenticeships is quite low, isn't it? Very low, but it's a super... It's not... Uh, people think it's just clearing drains. We do everything from half-inch washer, uh, you know, uh, to uh, boilers, all different type of boilers, uh, heat pumps. Everything is so modern nowadays, and uh, uh, we're working in laboratories and hospitals and hotels and schools, and uh, we have a, a very loyal um, customer base as well. I can't so help but think that if Charlie Gas were around now as opposed to yeah. 1881, and he saw what the business he started up with in 1881 was dealing in now with, with regards to technology, computerization, heat pumps, he'd probably collapse on the floor. Uh, well, he was very, um, he was always doing something, looking at something new. He used to travel to Paris uh, and uh, to France to looking for for new ideas and everything. And that thing. At that time, uh, Cork was really buoyant because of people were, uh, they traveled to the continent. And, you know, can you imagine going over and packet steamers and yeah. all the way yeah. all across the English Channel? You know, they were very, very... Um, so where were you rare then, Miles? Uh, I was raised in Cove. Uh, my father lived in Cove, and uh, um, I um, uh, uh, went to school in, in Rushbrook and and and, uh, and, and Cove. But the, and but the business ultimately moved then, didn't it, to um, it down moved, to the, down to part of the Ford's complex? Yes, and uh, we're in Ford's boiler house. So <laughs> <Tell me> you are, <laughs> which is ironic, but. Uh, uh, we have a, it's a super place and it's a real buzzing area and we have great facilities and we're within walking distance to the centre of the city, you know. And the lads were telling me yesterday they were chatting with your son that, you, you, you know, you'd see the company name and the company logo, McCarthy's Plumbing, say, on, would it be on, on toilets or urinals or oh, sinks, yes, you know, bathware and things. England for Charles McCarthy in Emmett Place and... Um, We'd, uh, we'd, uh, we're, there's a huge amount of history on, on the farm and stories. Um, one of the things that you might, when the Lusitania uh, uh, went, uh, was torpedoed, uh, we got a call from the Admiralty to close the shop and send all the plumbers to Queenstown to lead line, the, to solder up the coffin, the lead coffins for sending them back to the United to the USA. Just trying to work out, you're nearly 140 years in business, man. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're 143 years. 143 years. My God. Yeah. I mean, working on the Lusitania. 
That's some undertaking. Well, you know, working on the, you know, they were the, the bodies going back. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a Jamie at the bottom of the Atlantic. I know what you're saying, but yeah. being around yeah. and in business, helping with that emergency and that tragedy. Is, but And so yeah. McCarthy's names are on a lot of the manhole covers as well. So you must, yes, have, had, you must have had a foundry, did you? And, uh, yeah, but things were very difficult then in the, the 20s and 30s. Things are, people don't realize now, maybe in a couple of years down there, we see after um, uh, the, the amount of uh, work was very limited and everybody emigrated. Yeah. But um, um, we, uh, during the emergency, there was nothing. All the plumbers went to uh, Belfast to work in the shipyards. Uh, because there was no work around, and there was no materials coming from the uh, from England because of the war, and uh, we worked in 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 sometime in the down in the dockyard in Rushbrook, trying to uh, uh, put together a couple of old ships, and my father had to go out and buy railings because there was no materials for piping around, so anybody saw railings, we brought them from people and to cut them up to try to pipe the ship. Wow. But you would, but with the burning of Cork, maybe McCarthy's would have been involved in maybe the plumbing um, with the buildings that were destroyed and had to all be yes, rebuilt on Patrick's. We were, we were, yes. Um, there's a good story about my... Uh, uh, I went over to the Victoria Hotel. I was only 18, 19, and the porter uh, lambasted me. He said, I don't never forgive you, McCarthy's. He said, why? He said, well, he said, on the night of the burning of Cork, I was uh, the junior porter, and uh, there was banging on the door, and all the guests were uh, around the foyer, and the women were crying and everything, so they all pushed me out because I was the junior to open the door, and there was my grandfather saying, God bless you, he said, I'm dying for a drink. <laughs> so they, they thought it was the tans were running up and down the... Street, so Such granddad looking for a pint in the Victoria Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have great stories. And is there any chance you'll let up anytime soon at 82 years old? Well, um, um, I enjoy it. And uh, I'm giving all projects that, uh, that are resurrected that we had uh, done years ago. So uh, I like tipping away. It keeps the mind good. Absolutely. You're as sharp as a pin. Oh, yeah. Are there any of the old gas lamps now or the gas poles still around, Charlie, Miles? They are. There are a lot of people renovating them. They, I got the last one or two I was in from the Clonmel Gas Company. I put them up in a few places, but... Uh, there's very few, very, very few. No, no, like I'm talking about in situ still. No, I know, I know down on the island of Valencia, there's a whole series of them in Knightstown. Um, you know, they're yeah, there, they're right. protected yeah. structures. They're yeah. the most beautiful ornate gas lamps. But I'm wondering, are all of our ones gone? Yeah, most of them are gone. But yeah. some of them, are, some of them have, have uh, put new heads on them. There's, there's people that supply them uh, from the UK, I think, still, you know. Amazing. I'm amazing you're still going strong at 82. Are you right up to speed on all of the technology behind the heat pumps? You are, Miles? Yeah. Yes, uh, I'm finding it hard, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, it's uh, we do do geothermal as well, which we you know you the geothermal you can sink. There's a huge amount of heat come from the ground, you know, and you can sink a well, uh, and you get quite a, you get up to 
35 degrees. Uh, I wouldn't mind one of those. I got my gas bill this morning for November, December, Miles. It's 683 yeah. euro. It's a stupid well, amount of money. <laughs> it's yeah, stupid. It's a it must money. be a better way to heat the home. What do you think? Well, uh, uh, plenty of insulation, I think, you know, and uh, make sure that your home faces the sun. <laughs> I don't know why people, <laughs> when they're building houses, they should make sure they're facing the south towards where the sun is wherever the sun is whenever we and, get uh, that says you Whenever we get. so you're going to have a big party for the 150th then I hope oh well I hope so I hope so I hope so um, and uh, I mean we have we have, uh, we have a terrific customer base and very loyal base and I must uh, I'd like to thank all my former and a lot of lads went out on their own and, and just start their own business from me that aren't their trade for me but uh, I must thank them all uh, who have worked for us through the years and uh, I meet them a lot of guys come up to me and say God I worked with you and uh, it's nice to uh, to reminisce with them and uh, I, w- I want to thank them all for the, uh, the loyalty that they did to work with us and um, uh, and their support and uh, probably with their families well said. as well. You're a lovely man and I'm sure that your grandfather Charles McCarthy is looking down and very proud of the lot of you carrying on something he started out in 1881. Uh, yeah, well we have a good gang. Look after yourself, Moz. Pleasure talking okay. to you. I mean that sincerely. Thanks very much, Neil. God, God bless you. Bye. Take care. Take care. What a lovely, lovely story. Some lovely texts, actually. I do the odd bit of work for McCarthy Plumbing. They're the best bunch ever. I wouldn't go past them. Morris is so obliging, and all the lads working them are so, so very good. I highly recommend them. What a wonderful and interesting gentleman, Neil. Great stories, says Sean. Yes, there are. There are loads and loads. Everyone has a story in them. None more so than here in Cork on Side. And I'll continue to talk with Cork businesses who have been around for a long, long time in the coming weeks and months to come back after the break. Call Neil now. 0818-104-106. And to pull in my car to send this text, I was crying so much listening to the horrific stories about those poor animals up around St. Anthony's Park. Myself and my partner have three rescues, all from travelling halting sites in the past, two of which are lurchers, and the newest addition to the gang is a five-month-old puppy who was going to be strung from a tree as she was no good for hunting, we were told. I would love to rescue more, but financially feel we are maxed out at three for the time being. Lurchers are such beautiful pets. I urge anyone who's looking to add a dog to their life, please look at rescue centres, which are full to the brim with this beautiful, docile breed. Um, Sorry, can't take a call, but on behalf of us all here at Apple, thank you for bringing this topic up again. You're welcome. Um, We have hunters with hounds coming down from from the city to East Cork regularly. The dogs are ragged and often left behind and lost until the next time, a week or ten days later when they bother to try and find them. They ruin our peaceful country life and often hunt out of season and are a law unto themselves. Listening to about these poor dogs and horses and the same thing regarding the dogs is happening in Formoy. They're locked in cages without food and water. Nothing is ever done. Do you remember I was talking earlier on of a dog that died and they found fish hooks inside in its throat? Somebody says, I heard of that fish hook thing before. They wrap the hooks with meat and they cast it with the rod. rod. 
and literally fish for the dogs that are already starving. Please don't go out my deal. Isn't that, isn't that beyond cruelty? Like that's on a completely different level of cruelty. You know, I mean, imagine taking pleasure from something like that. Uh, the first story I have to tell you is about two boys about seven years old, one with a little pony on the Kilmore Road. The pony was stopped. I just could not give any more. Um, uh, it just couldn't give any more and it was wiped totally. Um, and they kept whipping and whipping and whipping and the poor pony just took it. I did stop my car and said to the boys that the pony clearly couldn't give any more. I got called every name under the sun and I was told I'd be shown exactly what the pony could do. The young fellow rained down the whip after whip after whip to the little pony. The second lad got off the sulky and threw stones at my car. I had four kids in the car at the time, so I ended up just driving off. My apologies, lads. I won't get to read them all out, but that is a selection. And uh, if, if you think it's, it's not the case that I try and talk to the organisations that represent, say, in this case, members of the travelling community, I do and have done a number of occasions down through the years. But I never, ever, ever get any response. In fact, uh, unfortunately, some years ago, there was a broadcast complaint uh, issued by one of the organisations against me, which was held up by the Broadcast Commission. That's fair enough. I hold my hand up. But part of it was be the complaint was upheld on the basis that I wasn't balanced enough. I can tell you one thing. It is impossible to be balanced on any topic of conversation when you don't have both sides talking. So that was kind of frustrating. But but there you go. I can't argue with the complaint being upheld. It was and I take that one on the chin. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I'll squeeze in as much as I can between now and midday, including uh, live music and studio. But Kev, Kev, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Um, I'm much better than you when I look at the quality of the water coming out of your tap. When did they start pouring tar out of taps? Um, well, I'm not at home now this morning, but um, we have a residence associate, association there, and they just put up some photos there this morning. I have them. The water in the, I have the them. Flo- yeah. It's black. The water is dark brown to black. Yeah. Oh, it was horrendous. It was awful. Like, I mean, we've, we've had issues with water down through the years, but Jesus, that's the worst I've seen. This. That's the worst we've ever seen it out this morning. You know? When was the last time you had clear, clean water? Uh, well, like... It's, it's just it, like it's it's good one week. It might be good for two weeks, but then you might get out of the blue. It just gets the way it is. It's never as bad as what it was this morning. But like we've had issues for the last Jesus three years. You know we're, we're living out in Kings there, and the water main there up by Farm Power, which is up by Rapican, that's been causing issues for years. It, it, it they recently replaced parts of it, but. We're, we're just constantly having issues like. Constantly. But why does how does water get brown? Is it is it mud? Is it earth getting into it? Is it lead? Is it the pipes? I've no idea. I've no idea. I know you've had you've you've been talking about the water there in the city for the last couple of weeks and months about the the lining of pipes and whatever else. But uh, I don't know whether it's that or whether it's contamination getting into the water. Well, one of the stories that was going on, certainly for the north side and areas of the south side as well, don't get me wrong, is that some chemical was pushed through the piping to to clean it. Too much was used and it stripped all of the rust off the pipes and did all sorts of damage to the internals of the very old pipes. And that's what's rushing through with the water. And that's the stuff that's coming out. Irish Water say, no, 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 we're actually flushing the system. But uh, I don't know who to believe, you know. Well, I don't know what uh, I don't know what to believe either. Like, I mean, you can see, you see the pictures there yourself. You can make up your own mind whether you, you think there's rust or whether you think there's earth or mud or what it is. But it's 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 not acceptable. Like, what do you do for drinking water? What do you do for bathing, cleaning, and what have you? 
Oh, bottled water. Bottled, you couldn't drink that, like. You mean, I came down I came down to the kitchen this morning at half past six, and I, I did actually take a glass of water this morning before I went to work, but now I'm saying to myself, Mother of God, you know, that, if, that's what, if that's what I drank this morning, look out for me on RAP.ie, like. I know, yeah. So it's a lottery as to what it's going to be like of a morning. You have to, and like, so you buy well, fast. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, like, we, there's ongoing works going on out the front of our state at the moment, and we understand that there will be disruptions to water. And in fairness to the, the, the lads out there at the moment, they are, you know, they, 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 keep, they keep us in the loop if there's going to be disruptions or if there's going to be outages. But this came out of the blue this morning, and, you know, it, it's shocking. Like, it's just so frustrating. that water this morning is a disgrace, you know? Yeah, there's a sto- there was a story yesterday of. Um, uh, a woman with her baby. She was bathing the baby within a couple of minutes. Brown sludge came out of the shower. Um, she got the baby dried off and herself and everything. The baby developed a shocking yeah. bad rash. Uh, brought her to the GP in Glanmire and she was uh, advised that her child had come in contact with a toxicant, a toxicant, which is a chemical. It's a chemical in the water. The child got a rash from a chemical in the water, man. She's from Mayfield. Yeah, and I mean, the people are washing their clothes, people are doing their laundry, people are cooking with this stuff, you know, I mean, the water might, the water might look clean, but we don't know what's been pumped through the, through the pipes or what chemicals, as you said, are being flushed through the pipes. Just, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's like a third world, it's like a third world country. Well, they're going to, some Irish water, Ishgare and reps are going to be before Cork City Council next week. I wonder what, um, what, what they're going to say or, you know. Or reasons or excuses they come up with. You know, you know yourself. There'll be there'll be nothing coming at. Like you know, there, there, there'll be meetings after meetings after meetings, but nothing will be done, and we'll have the same conversation in another six, ten, six, nine, twelve months. How much you, you know? you're spending on water, incidentally? Oh. You know, bottle, bottle of water. I I don't know to be honest with you, Neil. Because my wife does the shopping, and I, I'd say we're, we're looking, you could be looking at. 20, 30, 40 euros a week. 40 euros a week on water. In 2024. You know, week in, week out. Yeah. Oh, and you're very patient. And, you know, but, yeah, I don't you know. <laughs> I lose my patience by the day, you know. When you, know. When you see pictures, look at your feet this morning. And the no, I mean, we take it for granted when we turn the tap on. I never have dirty water. Sometimes the pressure is down and everything. But it's always clean. Mm. Uh, not, to, I don't drink it because I drink the water that goes through the fridge. But it's certainly clean water, you know. You, Turn the shower on, it's fine. People have a bath, it's fine. I can only imagine what it's like when it's not. Mm. Okay. But I mean, what, what, what's clean? What's clean at the end of the day? Like, I mean, we're looking at, as you said, Erna, that baby, you know, showered, washed by your mother, bathed by your mother. I mean, the water may look clear, but I don't know, just additives and the chemicals being added to the water there, and we don't she know. Got a, don't she, know she, she, the child got a rash. GP in Glanmire yeah. said she was in touch with the, with the toxicant. My understanding of a toxicant is some form of chemical, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. All right, my man, I won't wish you a happy weekend, but um, I understand that you are a very patient person and it's, this has got to stop. It's got to be sorted once. They blame the fact that the pipes are 100 years old or older, but, 
you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's just fix it, like. You fix know. it, yeah, exactly. Two simple yeah. words, fix yeah. it. Well said, Kev, take care, take care. Yeah, Another one or two businesses we've been talking about recently that have been around for a long, long time. Martin Duggan, the cobbler on Shandon Street, M&P O'Sullivan, the wholesalers in business since 1905. Fitzpatrick's food store in Glanton. Hopefully we get to talk with some of these businesses in the coming weeks. Dosco on the South Douglas Road are 140 years in business in Cork this year. So another celebration uh, and best wishes to everybody at Dosco, 140 years in business. And Nolan's Butchers on Shannon Street in Cork. It's great to see butchers, as in small butchers, still continuing to thrive in spite of the huge pressures from supermarkets and what have you. Jessica, final call this morning. Jessica. Hi, how are you, Neil? We uh, your ears should be burning. We were talking about you there a couple of sec- seconds ago. With re- what happened with your baby? Um, so my two daughters, they have, um, well, first of all, the water was dirty there about, it's going back about two years, for, or the last two years, sorry. And they have rashes all over their bodies and they've been sick the past two years. Um, but it's been from the water being dirty. Did you say sick in what way? Skin sick or intestinal oh, they, sick? Yeah, so they get vomiting. Like they're, I'm thinking it's vomiting bugs, but I'm not sure is it down to the water. But any time it bring them to the doctors, that's what they're putting it down as as well. Um, so and then with the rashes as well, like me and my partner are breaking out in rashes all the time. Um, we have allergies, so it could be triggering it. Um, but at the moment, like still to till this day they have rashes all over their body and if the water is brown sludge you're surely not drinking it um, no well it's clear now but we, we still wouldn't drink it you know like you you would know it's still dirty like it looks clear but when you put it up to the light you could still see a bit of dirt in it um, so we're, we're just buying bottles of water all the time Okay, um, you did mention that they're sick all of the time and you did say that it's intestinal and it's stomach bugs and stuff like that. Yeah. That would lead yeah. me to believe that it's clearly things they're packing, picking up from the water. Yeah, definitely. And tell me about this rash. Um, so that's what it was. So when the water, when it started going brown um, back in summer 2002, so about two weeks after it, when it started, it went brown, they started breaking out in rashes. So I was just putting it down to like allergies or eczema and they was using their creams and it wasn't clearing and then I was bringing up to the doctor and I told him about our water being dirty. So he said it was definitely from that. Um, so like the rash could go away then for like two weeks maybe, but then it's just come back again. Um, so it's just, I don't know, it's just an ongoing situation. But they're covered in it, like it's all in their legs and their arms and um, they, they're itchy, like they're waking up at night crying. Um, it's in their legs and that. So more than the baby then? Um, yeah, so like my two daughters have it and me and my partner have rashes as well and then myself, my eyes, I have puffy eyes the past two years. It looks like I didn't get a night's sleep I suppose in two years um, but like I have itchy eyes, puffiness um, yeah, so it's definitely that, yeah. like So have, have the kids got rashes now? Yeah, they still do, yeah. And what do the GP? Go on. Yeah, I'm sick of going up to the GP. Like, you know, I'm up there every second week, and sure, there's nothing more they can do because we're using all different creams, and sure, we're probably just making it worse, you know, because we're using eczema creams and just all different. Did the Did the GP mention the word toxicant? Um, no. What did the G- well, it says here that you, the GP in Glanmire advised you that the child had come in contact with a toxicant in the water. 
Okay, no, he didn't mention that. He just did say, like, because we all suffer with allergies, he said it could be triggering it. Um, because I suppose in the water, like, it starts as probably mould, you know, the mould is probably triggering it as well. They did flush those systems with chemicals, though, and a chemical yeah. uh, can injure or kill humans, animals, or plants. It's a poison. Um, and uh, it sounds to me that it's a lot more than just mud in the water if the kids are breaking out in rashes and they're having tummy bugs and you've got puffy eyes. Yeah, and sweeping onto Irish water, like on so many occasions, to test the water and there's just nothing being done. Um, but the Cork City Council have been more than good. Like they came up plenty of nights at like 10, 11 at night and tried to flush the system. Um, so I just want to give them praise because they, they were very good. You're so patient. You really are. You're so understanding, like, with all of the children right. breaking out right. of rashes and you getting whatever, whatever chemicals, yeah. they're clearly like, damaging your eyes. Only, my daughter was only born, um, so, like, it was just starting the summer and I had my daughter then just started the summer. So, like, we had a really tough time. Like, we were going over to my mum's at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, like, to make bottles. And because, like, sometimes the water would just be cut off and there'd be no water there. So, I could make a bottle. It's insane. So, like, it's we insane. were going over there and we, I'd throw out all the baby clothes. We'd get a new washing machine, replace taps, replace the washing machine, like, everything. Like, we, we spent so much money. Because of water damage? Yeah. God put like say if the water was fine and then we'd like use the, the dishwasher and the next morning like we'd um, go to, to clean it out and it'd just be black so we'd have to throw out everything then again like we'd have to clear, clean all the dishwasher um, throwing out kettles throw out my daughter's baby bottle maker we'd get loads of them um, like it was just ongoing it was Jessica, very hard that's a horror story girl it really is yeah. oh my god listen I'm out of time I hope the lads continue with yeah. this topic next week but thank you for outlining how yeah. difficult, difficult life is and in your particular home in Mayfield. Thank you, Jessica. It's awful. All of the equipment and everything. I am out of time and Mick Mulcahy will be here for the next couple of weeks. So good luck to him and good luck to all of you guys. We're playing out this morning with Stephen Falvey, the Cork singer, songwriter. And again, thanks to Owen Hennessy and Live Music Promotions, keeping music live and giving musicians on Leaside an opportunity to perform in studio. So welcome. Nice one. Good to see you, Stephen. How are you? Cheers, Neil. How are you? Looking forward to a cover of uh, an old Jerry Rafferty Steelers Wheels number. Is that right? There you go. Just to get people going for the weekend, I suppose. And what are you doing for the weekend, my friend? Gigging? Yeah, I've got a couple of gigs, a couple of cover cover gigs in a few pubs uh, over the weekend. I'm in uh, John O'Sullivan's tonight. In John O's and Douglas? Yeah. Spot? Nine o'clock. And uh, tomorrow night, I'm over the road in the Turners Cross Tavern. You're doing your own stuff online as well, I hear. StephenFalveyMusic.com. Yeah, so I've always... Writing? Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of original stuff um, kind of up and coming and I've got a, a couple of things released as well, so... Grinding away. The pride of melancholic, they tell me. Well, as you can hear, my <laughs> voice is nowhere near good enough to sing, never mind talk. So <laughs> over to your, over to you and your resplendent tones in no your own problem. time. <laughs> I should do. 
to do when you're covering a song is do it exactly the way the original guy did it. you got to interpret it differently. Well, that's to cover up the mistakes, I'd say. No, it's fantastic. You owned it, man. Well done. And you're going to be rocking them tonight in Jono's and Douglas at nine and the Turner's Cross Tavern at half past nine. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in, Steve. Nice one, David. That's fantastic. What a great way to round off the week. StephenFalvey.com Follow me yourself on social media. Get to Jono's tonight or the Turner's Cross Tavern tomorrow night. Look after yourselves. I'll see you in a fortnight. Cork, there is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go to the interface, you know? Fair play. Talk to Neil Prenderville. That's, that's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters.